The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. Good evening, boils and ghouls. It's time for some more Brandon Peters show in the month of October, as some might call it, the spooky season. Uh, we're going to dive into a, a pair of a series of movies over the next two weeks. And uh, back back again to join me for all of this from Bob and Tom Show and the voice of this very show, it's Jessica Allsman Slaughter. Oh, hello. I like that. You like that? All Not right. Not too much. Not too much. Okay. Fair enough. Donnie's got to look out. Uh, and author extraordinaire, Gregory Magoon. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today uh, we're going to take a look at Rob Zombie's Firefly Family Trilogy, which includes 2003's House of a Thousand Corpses, turning 20 years old this year. And that's not the reason we're doing this, but we'll get into that in a sec. 2005's uh, The Devil's Rejects and 2019's Three from Hell. And then next week we're going to take a look at the Night of the Demons movies. Uh, Now, uh, why these movies? Well... Greg and Jessica, they've done a lot of movie watching for, with me over the course of this show, and especially in this like past year since last October, we've uh, hammered through some 90s teen horror franchises, and well, I wanted to ter- turn things around and go with some of Greg and Jessica's favorites. So uh, we are starting today with Greg's, um, and particularly Devil's Rejects, but let's just talk about the whole, th- the whole thing here. Um, but first... Uh, quick pit stop here at the 4k blues day segment of the show uh these just go over some announcements that happened between the last episode and this one uh 4k ultra hd and blu-ray and of course if you want me to announce it on the show you can email me naptownnerd at gmail.com and i will talk about your release here on this program so uh, we have first, uh, next month, The Fugitive, which turned 30 this year, and we talked about in uh, summer of 93 at 30, is coming out on 4K Ultra HD for the first time on November 21st. They should have released it in the summer. I don't I don't know why, but it has carries over the previous uh, Blu-ray um, bonus features, of course, and uh, has its original audio track and stuff like that. So that one, November 21st, it's got that Warner Brothers 100 logo that everybody loves on the top of those things uh, coming out. And as mentioned, it's my late father's, probably his favorite movie. He'd never talk about favorites, but he watched that thing a lot. Uh, Also coming out, uh, we have... it's this movie called in November. It's called The Wrong Door. It's again from Visual Vengeance. It's another uh, shot on video movie um, from what? I don't know what year it's from. I'm bad at preparing for this, but uh, it's re- it's a region free Blu-ray. It's got a lot of uh, bonus features like galore, a limited edition slipcase in the first pressing, and a limited edition door hanger comes with the first pressing. Uh, reversible sleeve with VHS art and um, 
It has a supervised 2K HD transfer from the original Super 8mm film elements. That's the wrong door from Visual Vengeance. And then we have, in December, on the 5th, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. It comes with a um, a nice smattering of bonus features uh, and a score-only version of the movie. And which that's something Ryan Johnson had to fight for in his Star Wars movie. So uh, it comes in a Walmart edition with an enamel pin and a Best Buy limited edition steelbook. Shall, uh, hold that thought on a Best Buy. Uh, also, December 12th, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem on 4K Ultra HD. That's coming from Paramount. Also has a steelbook edition itself. Um, some bonus features. Either of you have any comments on any of those movies? Did you see any of them? No, I did not. You see, and I feel Jones? really guilty. No, that's what I'm doing. I didn't. I don't know why. I think I've just been so lazy going to the movies, and I know I'm the problem. Oh, you're the problem. I am the problem. problem. You never saw things. The Fugitive? Um, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. For some reason, I didn't, but I get it confused with the other uh, Gene Hackman movie <coughs> with Will Smith, where it's like, you have something that oh, they enemy want. Enemy of the State. Enemy yes. of the State. Oh, I yeah. always think of that trailer. Yeah, I, I always think of the trailer. <laughs> um, Greg, you, any of them? I've seen The Fugitive. Um, I've seen Dial of Destiny. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I don't really have anything to say about them. Like, uh, Ninja Turtles was awesome, by the way. Like, Oh, are you talking about the the the, the new the one? one came out? Yeah, it's on streaming now. So I okay. haven't watched. I just favorited it last night because I was like, it's streaming. It is like so. The '90s one is always probably going to be my favorite one with uh, the live action one. But this might be the best Ninja Turtles movie, and Ice Cube is amazing in it. And all the people who showed up, voice talent. There's a lot of celebrities, but they showed up to do an animated movie, not just show up and speak themselves. Like they are all full fledged like characters, dedicated voices, like. They're like Rose Burn Rose Burn as Leatherhead, awesome. Um, but yeah, that's a cool one. Uh, I wanted to um, st- the, so Indiana Jones has a Best Buy steelbook. Uh, news came out uh, while I was uh, driving back from Florida recently. Um, that might be the last uh, Best Buy limited edition steelbook because Best Buy is getting rid of physical media, not just in the stores, but in total, not on the not online, nothing gone. Whoa. Wait, by, by the end of the year, they they are they're getting out of the physical media game. Wow! They want to make more room in their stores for other things, like other technological uh, uh, advances. I'm like, what boxes of TVs that just sit? Or, like your stores are? I mean, I think they have other problems, and they're shielding themselves with this announcement. But like, what other technologies? Like, what do what you go put in the store? Like more uh, video games and gamer chairs. Like, yeah headsets uh right phone yeah cases. Like, but i mean not even online like you won't even you won't even be able to order a blu-ray online from them wow so that's that's, that's sad to me but um that's the way it's been moving i've been i've been saying for years that like i don't think blu-rays dvds 4ks go away i just think if you look at what's going on with vinyl in their resurgence of what happens now that's what that's what your home video collecting is going to look like it's going mean, to be more expensive but a lot more care is going to be taken with it, and it's going to be very boutique type thing. I mean, you already said like I was, I was, I point to this. I was blown away when Shout Factory was the one who put Deer Hunter on 4K the first time, like a Best Picture winner, and the studio said, "Ah, eh, we'll lend it out to 
this company to do it for us. So, um, yeah, but and there's, times are coming. Um, Barnes & Noble has said, you can still buy them from us next year. Don't you worry. So, oh. yeah. I kind of just, forgot Barnes & Noble sold uh, Blu-rays. Mm. Everybody lives for the Criterion sales because they do 50% off of those in July okay. and November. So, that's where... <laughs> That's Good where, to know. That's when they do their business. It's like everybody hits them up and then Amazon starts matching them. It gets nuts. It gets nuts. And then like Target wow. pulled out of the Criterion game because they got sick of matching during those sales. So, but yeah, some sad news in home video. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, just a crazy thing uh, to see happening. But, it, you know, is what it is. You know, streaming... <laughs> Those studios, they want. See, the funny thing is, they're they're learning now. Like, oh shit, we shouldn't have put such a focus on streaming. We need that money from physical sales and lending things out and stuff like that. And oh, you you're too far down the road now. You got to figure out how to make that money. So, all right, but let's get to happier happier things. Uh, let's let's start this firefight trilogy thing out with. Uh, we're gonna begin, of course, with House of a Thousand Corpses. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature. On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. You know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. It's showtime! From director Rob Zombie (laughs) comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. (laughs) House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! Written directed by Rob Zombie, starring Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, Karen Black, Sid Haig, Tom Towles, Walton Goggins, Rain Wilson, Chris Hardwick, Aaron Daniels, Jennifer Justin, Matthew McGrory, and Greg Gibbs. It's about two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas, search for urban legends of murder, or searching for urban legends of murder, end up as prisoners of bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. So background on this one rob zombie originally shot this at universal back in 2000 um he was working on a haunted house exhibit to bring back the horror nights that we all know and love now and i went to last weekend or last week at this time as we're recording uh and they they freaked out about this movie shelved it uh changed the name of his haunted house from house of a thousand corpses to uh, american nightmare 
but yet showed the trailer for House of Thousand Corpses outside of it. Uh, Zombie then had to took a, took time, but he got the rights reacquired from it, and then sold it over to Lionsgate, who finally it got released in two thousand three. And so I don't know where you were all were at, at the time, or let's Rob Zombie. My first uh, purchase of like, I went to a store and bought a CD was White Zombies Astro Creep 2000. And it had a parental advisory on it. I was way underage for that advisory. And the lady just checked me out at Best Best Buy, bringing it up. Checked me out at Best Buy. My, I brought it home. My mom saw that. I was like, why'd you let him buy? He's like, and, and just, it was just a kind of a fine. Uh, I played that album up and down and all around. I was a big Rob Zombie fan. Probably uh, I went and saw him and Corn together. Ninety uh, like eight it was the um, was he it had X Fest. No, no, no. It was ah. it was a double bill. So they had they toured together on a double bill. Uh, the Rock is Dead tour. Corn had uh, the Follow the Leader album, and he had Hellbilly Deluxe at the time. <laughs> and they also had this band called Video Drone. And um, they were a tech metal band. And at the end, the lead singer said, fuck technology and dropped the mic and walked off. And I'm like, that's really a weird thing for a tech metal band to be saying <laughs> at the end of your show. But okay. Um, Rob Zombie put on one of the coolest concerts I ever seen at that time. Um, just visually awesome prop. He's a showman. Uh, so I was like, Rob, Zomb- Rob Zombie, always been a fan. I was very excited for him to make a movie. Heard about this, waited, waited, waited. And then it came out in 2003 and like it was playing. It di- So it only played in like Anderson when it came out. When I was in Muncie going to, I was at Ball State at the time. Only went in Anderson. I didn't feel like driving to Anderson to see it. So I didn't see it till DVD came out. Um, but I had, a fr- I had a friend who went and saw it, and they oversold the screening, and there was people literally sitting in aisles for wow. the oh my gosh. this movie. Yeah, for the screenings, and he said because he had a, he didn't get a seat, so he had a miserable time, and this movie did not live up to the hype, so he was all down on it when he when he saw it. But I finally saw it. It's interesting. We'll talk about this. Um, but I'm a, I I would really like to know. Jessica's never seen any of these. Yeah. So Jessica, yeah. thoughts, thoughts on Rob Zombie and like then let's go into a House of Thousand Corpses. Any kind of preconceived notions you had on it, and then your initial. I, I, mean, I didn't. I didn't listen to Rob Zombie. My boyfriend listens to a lot of like you know, White Zombie and whatnot that genre, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoy hearing stuff because it's different than what I listen to. So I'm like, cool. Um, I always loved his hair. That's what <laughs> I knew about Rob Zombie, and I've watched the other stuff. I watched his, you know, the monsters that he just redid. And Salem's Lot. I like Sherry Moon Zombie. I think she's adorable. So going into this movie, I'm like, man, I've seen the cover like a gazillion times. But like I was in high school when it came out and no desire to see it. I think just because busy and watching things like uh, um, a lot like Love or Mean Girls or something like that. But that probably mm-hmm. is 2004. Anyway. So the only thing, as soon as it starts and I see Chris Hardwick, I'm like, holy crap. I kind of faintly remember him being in a scary movie because of Talking Dead. He showed mm. a clip where he's getting, you know, brutally murdered or tortured. So that was really exciting to see. But then the rest of the stuff, I was like, what is going on? I had no idea what it was about. I had no idea. Um, and I, 
thought I would get sick. Actually, no, I got really sick of baby's laugh and then I ended up loving it again. Then I got sick mm-hmm. of it. And now I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> like her, ah! I was like, oh God, I can't stand it. And then I just absolutely loved it. So love that's it. exactly how the movie's supposed to be. And then I didn't realize, you know, the bad guys were going to end up, you know, winning. And that was kind of weird. It, it's I 20 didn't... years old. We can spoil like, this. Okay. It's a... yeah. I was going to say that's Don't a worry. spoiler, but that's what makes it all these are good. All these are good. Yeah. And I was like, I guess it makes sense. Donald goes, well, there's three movies. I'm like, yeah, I know. I just didn't know how it was going to keep going forward. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And the torture stuff, even when I'm watching, I'm kind of just like, ugh. And I'm still getting grossed out. But I'm appreciating all the effects and all the trippiness. Like, I love Mm -hmm. the weird psychedelic stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. I love that. So... Basically, after watching these movies, I've watched some Rob Zombie interviews since then, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I like Rob Zombie. No, he's a real chill. Dude. It's funny how like, I like yeah, him. he just he, matter of fact, he typically with his movies, if you get the Blu-rays and stuff, like he, after this one and stuff, he starts doing like documentaries for each one. They're like three hours long that really oh, go wow. through the whole. Pro- yeah, he's really thorough with stuff. I don't think the last couple he's been allowed to put those on or whatever, but like the. The, his Halloween, like he has an extent, like you are like living the production with what the documentary I love that. did with that one. Um, I'll probably go down that road because this is what happens. Yeah. We do these podcasts and then I just <laughs> deep diving and I just go into this rabbit hole of stuff. Yeah. So. I mean, if, if you like these and you're into the zombie, then you you probably enjoy what he's putting out. Like he, um, he's very, he's hard for some people to swallow. And I don't think a lot of people get like, it took me a long time to his, his first, his first Halloween. You have to realize it doesn't say John Carpenter's Halloween on it It says Rob zombies. And you got to go with it as a Rob zombie film. Not as, I mean, not as a John Carpenter film and not as a Halloween. It's got the designs of Halloween and you got to appreciate him taking his really own spin on Halloween. Like it it's a lot of people still to this day hate him. Like the like he was loved until he did Halloween. And that's when cuz he it's he's building here and then his Halloween, I mean it uh it hits like in the middle with people, but like the after reaction like goes down with him that's, on it. But. That's for anyone that tries to touch like something that's legendary. Like yeah. my dad grew up watching Star Trek. The J.J. Abrams Star Treks, he's like, crosses his arms all stubborn. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not my Star Trek. Look at him and his little flame. I'm like, there's no flames in the nacelles. What are you talking about, dad? That... But that's fine. He's got his issues with J.J. Star Trek. And I'm like, I think they're fun. And they bring in a different generation that... Yeah. yeah. You you didn't want to be around me the night I saw the the opening night of Halloween Rob Zombie. I was uh I saw the Chinese. I was I was like, "Oh my god, what was that?" And then like we I was so upset. I was at a bar that night and my roommate says like was talking about a story about something that happened to us. And he goes, "Hey, hey, hey. Tell tell her about Halloween." And I went, "Oh god." First he does, and I started talking about the movies. Like, no, dude, when we're here on Halloween, and they, oh, that. I was just, just start with the movie. <laughs> You're triggered for talking yeah. about the movie. Oh, you know, but you know, I'm personally Halloween's my favorite movie of all time. So there, of course, I'm going to have. But I've I've come to, I've come to terms with it so much. Like I even told the Weinstein company themselves on the phone that they were asking about uh, when I was doing the DVD QC 
about stuff and they're like you don't like this movie do you and i'm just like the sad thing is i'm gonna wind up buying this dvd because i collect them <laughs> and uh, you know it's my series and all that and then, and they go don't don't i'm like what they're like just we'll send you one <laughs> i was like all right wow so they sent me one and a poster <laughs> like, sorry for your trouble right. they're like yeah well you don't like it i'm like no like oh we like it over i'm like yeah of course it made you a bunch of money of course you liked yeah. it so uh anyway yeah that's 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 rob and everything else but i you know i'll talk about him as a whole when we get into the next movie a bit more because that's uh sort of where he shines uh greg yes early impressions Hello. here uh House of 1,000 1K Corpses. I love this movie. I love all of them. Um, And I'm going to preface this entire discussion with I do not like condone or or approve of any of the behavior of the Firefly family (laughs) they have done. With that being said, I love them so much. (laughs) I like I love them. And like, okay. Since we've already kind of like spoiled it because they like survived. Um, this movie accomplishes, and I've like why I chose like Devil's Rejects or this trilogy is this movie or these three movies accomplish something that I don't think any horror movie has ever really done to this effect in like this manner where you actually at moments, shockingly enough, despite the outrageous like atrocities this family is committing you empathize with them at times and i don't know why or how that's possible but you do and um even in house of a thousand corpses i did see these theaters which um got me hyped up for when devil's rejects did come out i was like i'm seeing this day one i'm ready for my family to return like take me home i was ready for it um but i i love like i didn't know rob zombie as a musician really before this movie um so i just went into house of a thousand corpses um based on not anything about rob zombie but my love of haunted houses and like scary things and that disturbing slasher trend and my love of texas um chainsaw massacre which this kind of has nods to um kind of (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. well, here's here's the other thing. When you read the, that description of House of a Thousand Corpses, saying like, "Oh, two couples are traveling," that is not what the movie's about. This no. movie starts hard with the family, with the killers, and they're unassuming at first. You meet Captain Spaulding, they get robbed, and then they kill the bad guys. So it's like this giant, like it's meta before meta. It's Scream Six before Scream Six, where you have like the killers killing, and and then you find out that there's more killers. Like there's just so much going on in that opening like 15 minutes where you're just like yeah captain smalling kill those robbers like you're cheering on this man who's about to who you're about to find out has been torturing cheerleaders in their house and then this Mm -hmm. couple like it doesn't i don't know how rob zombie managed to accomplish that disconnect and like actually connecting it where you where you are excited for the killers and no other movie have i ever cheered on the killers and hope they got away but also i think the two couples are irritating as fuck like i think they're just annoying um and you don't even get really an introduction into those couples until about 17 minutes into the movie i had to look like Mm -hmm. when the one girl when the final girl and i'm using quotes for those who can't see me right um, when the 
final girl, actually we uh, kind of get an idea of who she is. That's 17 minutes into the movie when she calls her dad. And that's kind of like her main intro. And you're like, this movie's been going on 17 minutes and we don't even know who these couples are, what's happening or anything else. But I will say, as much as I love them, I know I would die in this movie. Like in this universe, I would be dead. (laughs) I would show up to that gas station. I would be Jerry. This is awesome. I would go through that ride. Where's the tree? Badass. I would ask all the questions. I would be like, can I take pictures with you, Spalding? Like that would (laughs) Right. Like I would, I've done that in real life before. I don't know how I'm still alive, but um, because even at like the, I've been to Halloween Horror Nights, I always get chased. So like, and they they have to stop at some point in those like horror nights or not scary farm, but in real life they don't stop. So I would be dead. Um, but I would I would be Jerry in that initial situation mm-hmm. of wanting to see the house, wanting to wanting to or to see the ride, and just thinking it was awesome and all the janky effects of it. Thinking Captain Spaulding was awesome. That would be me. I I I was locked into this movie from the first ten minutes, and I was like, I'm in. So that is my excitement over this, and I'll share more in a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, the first thing I liked about it when I first saw it was just the sets. <laughs> like, I want to walk oh. through this. Like, what's going on? It's, it's clearly, and I, and this is a thing Scott Middleton and I talk about is like rip off, don't remake. And this is clearly one of the best cases of that. I mean, there, there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that comes out at the same year, and. Every you know everybody loves it at the time and stuff like that. This was made three years earlier, but this has a lot more. I feel like energy and character to it than that Dip Platinum Dooms um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out. And like I, I'm watching it now, and like zombies doing stuff like uh, a lot of De Palma in this movie. Like he's got split yeah. s- split screens in there, and he's even got a split diopter shot in there. That I'm like, he is channeling this. That's who he's wanting to to look like here. And then I noticed he's got this affinity, and it comes from his music videos too, of like filming a TV screen really awkwardly close up, and like it's unsettling when they do these things. Like I don't I don't know where he comes up with that or he pulled that from, but um, yeah, it's it just makes some unsettling segues and transitions from scene to scene. Uh, he also, he's got a, he's got a dialogue and a casting eye, just like that of like a Tarantino. Like that's, that's who he's pretty, he's in a class with like Tarantino, like him, Eli Roth, Tarantino. You can all, you can kind of see they all, they all kind of like, you know, Tarantino's at the top, but then his descendants are right here with like Rob Zombie who gives Sid Haig like the role of his career, even though he's made a career of character actor things, Captain Spaulding's all he's, you know, is what he's known for. Um, a lot, and it res- gave him a resurgence. He was hitting up the straight. He was leading, uh, and being a uh, key figure in straight to video horror movies for like the rest of his life. Uh, from then, and then of course Bill Mosley. I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre riff comes all the way down to Bill Mosley, who was Chop Top in Texas Chainsaw Two, who he's clearly modeling a lot. I know he takes a lot of Manson stuff for the Fireflies, mm-hmm. but he clearly. Loved Chop Top and Texas Chainsaw too so much that he's like, well, I'm gonna get Big Bill Mosley and make him like the star rather than Leatherface of of this thing. Um, but he's he's got a lot of you know he's got Karen Black here. He's got a lot of people that doesn't get used giving him meaty roles and the dialogue just sings in a way that's uh, you know his his redneck trashiness that Rob Zombie excels at with this thing where it's 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 unsettling because of how real it feels. 
and how honest it gets and then how uncomfortable you are watching it and just knowing what everyone in a scene is capable of. Um, yeah. But I love with, how with crazy things. they are. Like, mm-hmm. like the, like mama firefly or whatever. Like I absolutely right. loved her mm-hmm. and I do love baby. I love, they're just the yeah. weird, weird ass stuff that will, I mean, we'll talk about in other movies later. Like she's always meowing. I'm like, I'm always meowing. I get to go with McDonald. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous because I feel like I am baby firefly minus the killing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was as like, ex- the role I was meant to play. As extreme as they are, they're people. They're, they are. They're, they're huh. well-rounded human beings. And I want to, I, let, let's get started. Like, Sherry Moon Zombie. She gets a lot of shit all the time. And I, so I've, I don't know if it's because I had a, 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 like a thing for her looking through Rob Zombie's album booklets or whatnot, but I really, I think she gets a horrible rap just because it's a husband casting his wife in all his movies it's a partnership she she helps manage his stuff she does his merch she does promos for him like they are a supportive team together wait you're telling um, me people rip on her they don't like her they like I'm her they, this whole well they like baby fandom, they, okay. they like her as baby but when it goes but up she's further, always in the movies and stuff she's like, in every movie she, she has a good role in them and i think she's she's between ser- serviceable and terrific in every one. And I don't think she's bad. And I think one of the one where it starts to get a bad rap is Halloween, where she plays Michael Myers' mother. But I think she's actually very good as Michael Myers' mother because I've, like, I've met and known people with that sort of, like, uh, ignorant, idiocy personality that just is, like, in horrible situations but wants to see the best. And, like, it feels real in that movie. And a lot of people trashed her. For that, I think she's terrific in uh, Lords of Salem. Like, she's fine. Like, I yeah. and I don't get, and she seems like a pretty good person. Uh, and like, I, I don't know. I always get mad about how they shit on her, and I think it's mainly because she sh- she's in every movie. Because what their husband and wife look. Let's make a movie. Here's your role. We're together. If she sucked, he probably wouldn't give her such a great role. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well, I, and she it, probably wouldn't want to do the main things or do whatever. Like, she's obviously good at it. It doesn't matter. Alice Cooper always worked with his wife on stage, yeah. and now his, his daughter, Calico Cooper, comes out on right. stage. So I, I imagine she's got thick, family. Thick, thin, uh, thick skin. Uh, I hope she does. But, like, yeah, it's it's just that's always pissed me off. And they, and she got praised for these movies. Um, yeah. She could rock but, those low-rise jeans oh, yeah, and House of a Thousand Corpses. Well, she, Pretty much all the movies, I think she had the low rise. But I mean, she's perfect because she's got the look of a '70s girl. She's got a like face like she would have been. She would have been a startlet back then. Like that's mm-hmm. just the look she's got. Feathered hair would work works on her well. Um, she's she has that look, and it, it is perfect for that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. This the, the movie just it's it's a it's a fun house of like keep going. You start at the you start at the entrance, which is the the gas station chicken, and the the little <laughs> intro that ride. Uh, which why don't more gas stations have haunted attraction rides? You <laughs> oh, know? Um, and then you get to the you get to the woods, the house, and the house is crazy. And there's this is the only one. I mean, um, with the legend of Doctor Satan that ends up becoming and becoming the movie takes a wild turn at that end yeah. for it. Uh, earned, I would say, earned. That's yeah. That's kind of this movie like. It is the it, it's it's the outlier of the three in terms of what it is. 
Um, and it's just like every uh, like horror series. Like it's always talked about like movie series. The second one is the key one that most of them are like rather than uh, the first one. Whenever you go to a movie series, like Lethal Weapon is not like what the other ones are. Lethal Weapon Two and the rest. Lethal Weapon Two is what you think of, a, of when you think of a Lethal Weapon, like in the sequels. Uh, like the first Saw movie is very different from the rest of the Saws. Um, oh, true. But like, yeah, it's usually that kind of, kind of thing because like Three from Hell is very much more like The Devil's Rejects than it is House of a Thousand Corpses. So, um, but uh, this uh, the lighting, this movie, like I, it's just fun to look at in a disturbing way. Um, it's graphic. It's uncomfortable. Just the things he's putting up here, like, could you, like, if he released this today, could you imagine the 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 the, the crybabies that don't understand that depiction does not equal endorsement would be doing with this? If this was <laughs> new today. Why do you think I prefaced my like passionate <laughs> beforehand because I was like I love yeah. them, but they're um, but what this movie also does that unlike any other horror movie that I feel like is. It both feels like a movie, but it also feels like real life in the sense of when they get to the the house, when they get mm-hmm. to the Firefly house, it's not like, oh, no, where are we? Like in a Texas chainsaw where there's like fear about it. It's mm-hmm. just four people waiting for the car to get fixed. Right. Yeah. In real life, that's what you would do. But in a horror movie, it's always people being like, oh, the scary house. And we like have that anticipation. This one, you don't have that buildup because it's just like awkward like oh we're in this family's house they're watching tv baby's literally like sitting on the couch that one scene is so great when she's just sitting on the couch and the mom walks in and she's like well you go check on this she's like oh why and she like gets all whiny about it and it's just like family living their best life while there's torture going on upstairs but like the kids don't know that in most movies in a texas chainsaw or anything else they always like you feel like these or even like um, um, I still know it, or I know what we did last summer when they go over to Anne Heche's house and it's like scary and they're like, what's happening here? Um, this one, there isn't that like kind of anticipation of bad things to come, despite where we know that it will come because of the context of the movie. But I love that the characters aren't living their life with that built-in or preconceived notion of terror. Um, mm-hmm. So when it does strike, it feels more jarring because it the family is really unassuming they're an eccentric family but to be fair i wouldn't have gotten any of the red flags until probably Otis came out and i made a note of that going like i would have sat down i would have thought everything was very awesome until otis comes down with like a dead baby in a jar or whatever the fuck that was mm-hmm. um <laughs> and that would be that, that would be my red flag is like dead baby in a jar and i'm like Oh, maybe they're not my besties. But up until that point, well, yeah, you're right. Because at that point, you're like, oh, they picked up the hot girl, went to her house, and then found out she has a Florida mom. It's like, yes. hey, you want a double date? <laughs> I'm a, some people say I'm her sister. You know, that's what Karen Black is basically doing there. They, they're nothing. <laughs> stuff like that like i love that in real kids like i made a note of it like i hate these couples because they're assholes to be fair like this family up until that point has done nothing disrespectful rude or like nothing it's just they're they're just a little eccentric and they could have been nicer about it but like the girls were just kind of rolling their eyes and kind of being like annoyed about it just be nice to them like i don't think that would have saved their lives in it anyway but 
Like, I, I don't know. I just thought the kids were rude to the family. And again, I know the family is horrible. He's the but I'm the just so angry. <laughs> I'm just so angry with them that they're just rolling their eyes at this mother and daughter. It's like, why? They took you into their house. <laughs> they're helping. It is kind of weird. They just expect them to fix their car. Like, is their car done yet? They didn't even offer yeah. any money. You're actually yeah. right. They're oh. rude people. So I just it just goes to show you, not that I like, sympathize with the killers but it like up until like 25 30 minutes into the movie i'm totally on the firefly family side <laughs> i'm like these kids are assholes the firefly family has gone completely out of their way to help them mm-hmm. they didn't need to do any of this and like why are you being an asshole like yeah maybe baby was flirting with your boyfriend but like at that point then like don't i mean you don't have to be a bitch to her like women support women or just be more possessive of your man but don't like treat her like a bitch and baby got over it like i don't know i think up until 30 minutes up until otis walks out with baby in a jar um i i would say i'm firefly um because the kids deserve to like get sent out on their asses for being dicks well nobody looks super Not creepy <laughs> until otis <laughs> yeah 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 Nobody looks so, super creepy so until is, Otis comes that, out. And that to me is, an, yeah, and that is just a major achievement of this movie to manage to take the perspective of the family, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You don't really know the family that well. You get like later on, you kind of get like the dinner scene or anything. But this one, it's through the lens of the the, the sociopaths, the killers. And there are movies that have done that. There are specific movies that have like followed serial killers along the way. But this one does it in a way that's fun. It, it, it's like it's a playfully aggressive movie. And and considering what they do in it, it's it's weird to use playful in the same sentence. But it is. It's super playful. Like they make killing look fun. Um, <laughs> well, like, and, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you don't know there's a family until like the very like it comes together at that very end when there's one left and stuff. And it's madness. So that's where that movie's effective. Whereas this one's like. Here they are, fully active. This is like if the uh, when you go back to the Texas Chainsaw before, like the factory went down and everything, and they were in the middle of all their stuff. This is this is um, this is them with a little less boogie man ish stuff and a bit more uh, character um, and outright comedy compared to the more subtle comedy in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that they would have. And you know, at first I didn't movie, realize. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and this movie just has like more heart than like any horror movie a- as a whole. Like, and that is shocking to say too. But this movie is so love and heart, and like this family loves each other, bond and their support and their unity, and it may be for some really fucked up reasons. But they're still there for each other and they've got each other's back. And that doesn't happen much in this world anymore. And I just love that for them. I love right. that you're just finding the positive in this. And it's like very heartwarming. But even when I was first watching, I know it was Firefly family. So I'm like, they'll all be related. But when they're all in the house and there's like Tiny and all these people, I'm like, <laughs> is this actually one giant family? Or are they just people that have like-minded like interests? Not like Maybe it's a cult or like, I don't know. Uh, like a the Manson family type thing, yeah. so they consider themselves that way. Um, I think it's Manson ish. Fam- I think some of them are related, but I think a whole ordeal is Manson family esque. And when so- Otis came down the first time, I was like, "Is that Will Forte?" I literally <laughs> had to look it up because it looks just like him. That is the legendary Ugh. Bill Mosley. I know. A horror B movie 
uh, icon. It's been around. Um, he uh, he did. Yeah, he was uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Uh, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night three. He's in just tons of stuff. But this this gave him a, a surge back then, like it did with everybody that's in this movie. Um, we also have the the cops um, that we haven't talked about yet, like oh, yeah. uh, Tom Towles, who's another you know character actor icon, and then Walton Goggins popping up. Um, here in this movie uh and uh they they're around and they aren't afraid to kill the cops that's kind of a big moment in the movie which is so good like it's it's a great and then i love when they they have this walton goggins and he just pans out sitting there waiting 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 and down it's like a great moment that aerial shot like mm-hmm. was that on a crane or well, that wouldn't have been a drone back then that would have mm-hmm. been what like a crane shot that would have been a crane yeah i mean that moment and i knew it was coming and i still like you're just holding your breath during that silence but mm-hmm. this movie and i know it's such like a played out trope these days but this movie i think solidified my love for it well i think x-files was what started my love for it where you play the um the like the um oh my god i don't have words right now when you play like the happy jolly like song oh, over the, uh, like the... tarantino stuck in the middle with you and reservoir dogs that type of thing yes but but it's more of um the x-files the one the x-files episode that got banned with um from tv the inbred family one uh-huh. um they play the song that's in wally as well um oh uh, well, put like, on your sunday clothes uh, uh not well not in wally oh. it's not it's the oh. same singer it's the like wonderful, wonderful world, but not oh. what a wonderful world. Um, anyways, but they do that in X Files, and um, when there's a bunch of like gross stuff happening, and like Face Off does it too during like one of the major shootouts, they have um, like just a really like happy song playing that's like kind of slow. A jo- it's a Johnny Mathis song, not in Devil um, House of Thousand Corpses, but in um, in X Files. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Um, but he does that a few times in House of a Thousand Corpses, and it's one of my favorite things. Like I love hearing like joyful songs um, while murders happening. Um, <laughs> that makes me sound sociopathic, but I swear I don't condone it. But um, and that's why I watch it on the screen, um, so it doesn't happen in real life. Um, but when they're revealing in the garage all the dead cheerleaders mm-hmm. and that one our final girl who's tied up they're playing kind of this really jolly song while you have the slow motion of the cops faces and the dad's faces just in sheer terror yeah and abused and it's just beautiful to watch and it's like why am i using words like beautiful and heartfelt <laughs> and in these movies that are so sick and twisted and and i shouldn't like i shouldn't appreciate it but rob zombie managed to accomplish that because he made me care about the family like rob zombie made me care about these killers that everybody else i'm just like well you're in their house so <laughs> that's that like you, you gotta go it. yeah <laughs> well i also like when they go to captain spaulding when they're doing the investigation he's like you seen this girl and he's like just honest he's like oh yeah <laughs> wrote a map down to that house like he's just yeah. honest it's it's crazy like he's not afraid he has no f- that's the thing they they convey well with the firefly family they have no fear there is no they are 
confident in everything. Like there's so much confidence in them, and they're they're comfortable, they're casual, which which sets up the the, the next movie quite well because they were that way in this one. Uh, but it, it's it's scary how confident they are. That's where some of the terror comes from. And I love the only thing they do is they know how to get under each other's skin. Like, they know how to give each other shit. They don't do that. They, they tease and poke at their victims and people, but with each other, they, like, really get into them and, like, torment. Like, they save it for each other rather than trying to be sick and twisted to their victims. It's kind of... Yeah. I mean, I will say the one thing that confused me is how quickly they turned um, what's-his-face into the half-fish man. That happened oh, very right. quickly. Was- they, yeah. they they cut the they cut the scene of them doing um work to him. Um like, there's a lot of extra gore stuff that yeah. a universal wouldn't let him shoot, but when he got it the rights back, he went and shot in his basement. A lot of inner stuff. Like there was supposed to be there's apparently footage of um Sherry Moon um masturbating with a skeleton that they that Lionsgate was even like you're not putting that in a fucking movie. Um <laughs> if you want us to put this out. Um that was just supposed to be an inter- interlude between scenes. That was all it was supposed to be. Uh but yeah, there was there was a, a surgical type interlude thing with uh Rain Wilson getting put together, but it was fast. Well, but, I mean, I I don't mind not seeing it per se, yeah. obviously because um I didn't but it just when when the one girl was like in the bed tied up and they were kind of like torturing her mm-hmm. and like she's still alive like just tied up how long had she been tied up for because i don't think the rain wilson thing would have been a quick procedure it was very no. serious <laughs> in that mermaid thing so i'm just looking at going like what is the actual like timeline of events when people got split up I mean, that's just weird. Again, it's just the things that this movie made me think about going like, how long does it turn to like make somebody into a human dead mermaid sculpture? Like I just questions I never thought I'd ask myself. But <laughs> I, I I wonder for the sake of like, I just felt bad kind of for the girl for how long she would have been torn, like tied up. But then also was she tied up after because he Rain Wilson as that like dead mermaid thing, like Fishman was in the corner and they took the sheet off of him. Like, did they put him into the room, like, while she was tied up and she just didn't see it? Or did they get him in there hmm. and then put him in the corner and then brought her into the room? Like, I'm just, I just want to know it's what It's a clean whole- sheet, too. It's a clean. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, they've stopped bleeding. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm curious to know how they work, like, their operation. Like, Otis is clearly the, like, the one who's the most into all of it. Um, like baby just is kind of more playful with it, especially with the cheerleaders and like skinning the guy's head, playing the game. Like she's like, I would be like, I want to play this game. Like, why do they make me want to do everything they do? Like in this movie, mm-hmm. I just I get excited. They make me excited. Oh, and then they go out shopping for booze in the middle yes. of it. <laughs> they go to red, was it red hot pussy liquors? <laughs> yes. Like I love like, it. Like they just go, let's go. We need some booze. Like go shopping. I do appreciate the vulgarity. Obviously, they're like, you know, they're trying to show they're horrible people, but everything just mm-hmm. so vulgar, too. It's like that classic B-movie style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just like, let's make it over the top and obnoxious. And I do love that. Yes. So I would be okay if Sherry was doing whatever with the skeleton. Put it in there. Yeah. Who cares? It oh, doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. I did the movie. So, so I have a, a Halloween decoration that I have kept since childhood, and I spotted it in the Red Hot Pussy Liquors <laughs> 
Um, uh. And it's a, it's a, it's a like a plastic thing. I think it's supposed to have a light in the bottom. It doesn't anymore. It's got a piece of duct tape over that hole now. Um, and it's a cat, and it's like a pumpkin like stand or whatever. And I saw it, and then I was like, oh my god! So that's why I've kept it all these years. Like it's 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 popular. It was in a movie or whatever. But this is from like the. We had in the eighties. I don't know if my parents had it before me or anything like that, but I've always like kept it for some reason. It's just this classic old Halloween decoration. It's in my it's on my fireplace right now. So uh, I was happy to spot that in this movie this time around. I've never noticed it before. Cause maybe because I just got the thing down and I was like, Oh look, there it is. See, it makes me want to go back and look at like Captain Spaulding's and see if I missed anything. Oh god, there's Easter so eggs. much there's, detail. Like, gazillions of things in there. And then the yeah, the Pussy Liquor place. Go check yeah. that out. That'd yeah. be cool. I might do that. Yeah. We haven't talked about Tiny at all, but um, oh, I yeah. love Tiny. Tiny's adorable in his giant. And I mean, again, it's it's that kind of like classic trope of movies where you have somebody who's like 10 feet tall and they're like, Tiny, um, who's not at all tiny. But again, Tiny. And oh, and that's the other thing that I kind of loved about like that. The beginning of the movie, when they first introduced Tiny, the 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 couples aren't like immediately terrified of mm-hmm. him and i there's something kind of natural about that because in typical horror movies when we see somebody who um is disfigured um in that capacity we automatic like the characters automatically go like danger danger and i love that this movie didn't immediately make tiny the red flag of everything they're just like right. oh this keeps getting a little weirder but right. Was it? It was a kind of an uncomfortable thing because it's like, what do you do or how do you act in this situation? And I thought it was handled actually very nicely. Like the fact that there's respect taken up into a point in this movie mm-hmm. with how they handle interactions is kind of remarkable. Um, considering again the atrocities that are later on committed that we witness um, in this movie, which only then gets worse in two and three, which we'll get to. Um, but in this one, there there's such care before the torture actually happens um, in 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 creating this unassuming eccentric family. Yeah, he's kind of got the same ability like uh, Guillermo del Toro has with a lot of his creatures and stuff in his movie with the respect that he gives these monstrous people that you can that you respect that Rob Zombie knows how these people tick that he knows. He knows uh, where they're coming from, what they're thinking. Even if it's for nefarious you know, reasons, he's still he's still got it down. Like you trust that these people know what they're doing, or know the movie knows what they are, and their sort of respect. Which Matthew McGrory, who plays Tiny, this was a good year for him because it came out in two thousand three, though he shot it in two thousand. But um, he also has Big Fish this same year. Um, oh yeah, if you remember that movie. Um, but yeah, that's it's a that's a good point with Tiny that they don't just go what the fuck. And um, and Tiny has one of the best moments of the whole movie when the shrug when mm-hmm. um the girl like wants to get untied again. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. Oh. The family's name, <laughs> and I don't remember the co- any of the characters in the couples' names. Like I don't care yeah. about them. You know them in other movies. In this one, you don't care about the couples because they're they're kind of just the torture play toys. Um, but either way, but tiny kind of just like unties one hand and then Otis comes running in the room. What are you doing? And he just 
and he just shrugs. I'm yeah. like, I clap every time. I'm like, so I good. love that. Like, I love Tiny. Like, Otis's reaction is like, oh, Tiny again. And Tiny doesn't care. Like, there's no anger. There's no, in other <laughs> movies where you have these families, they usually smack each other around yeah. or what the fuck you doing letting them go? And it's just like, oh, oh, tiny. Like, it's just that wholesome family dynamic that I just love with them. Like, I want a family like that. Like, I just, without the killing. Which, there was, um, when Zombie was first making this, Universal tried to pressure, he wanted more out of the, they wanted more out of the the teens characters or whatever, and he refused. He's like, no, people just want to, let's just get to the, them getting massacred and, focus on these monsters and stuff. That's what people are going to, you know, want with this thing. And he said uh, that it originally didn't have such a campy comedic tone, but that's just kind of the vibe as they were shooting it went. And so he just went with the vibe of the movie, um, the vibe of the shoot rather than what his script had originally. So I think it was supposed to be a bit more sinister, but it was the right decision, I think. Agreed. I, I have such respect for him as a director because in the wrong hands, this wouldn't have be, been a movie. Like, this wouldn't have been anything. It would have just been... This mean trap. little piece of shit. That is what it would yeah. have been, you know? But he created a family that you want to be a part of. Again, I don't know <laughs> their behavior. But like, they would kill you, Greg. I mean, I just love them. And that's what's like... And I say all this because I'm only thinking of, like, number two now. Because, like... Number two goes to a whole other place for me, and we'll get into that. Well, you know what? Let's Um, get into it. Do we have any more thoughts on House of a Thousand Corpses? Did you count a thousand? (laughs) No. No. All right. All right. Well, we will move on to The Devil's Rejects, 2005. What police have uncovered, words can't describe. They kill randomly. I'm here to do the devil's work. They hunt ruthlessly. Please don't hurt me. You're gonna start to kill him. You best start it right here. On July 22nd, Come on! get ready for one hell of a ride. The Devil's Rejects. Come and get it. A Rob Zombie film. Of course, written and directed by Rob Zombie. Uh Starring Sid Haig, Bill Mosley. So this now is where we start really making Rob Zombie movies. So like everybody from the leads to cashier number two is somebody. Um, uh, so we got Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, William Forsythe, Ken Foray, Leslie Easterbrook, Jeffrey Lewis, Matthew McGrory, Priscilla Barnes, Dave Sheridan, Kate Norby, Lou Temple, Danny Trejo, Diamond, Dallas, Page, Brian Posehn, Elizabeth E.G. Daly, Tom Towles, Michael Berryman, PJ Souls, Deborah Van Valkenberg, Ginger Lynn, Mary Warnov, and Daniel Roebuck, the murderous backwoods firefight family, take to the road to escape the vengeful Sheriff Wydell, who is not afraid of being as ruthless as his target. Uh, Leslie Easterbrook, of course, replaces Karen Black as uh, Mother Firefly because Karen Black priced herself out of the budget for the film. So, did not come back. So, um, this movie... Um, Did he write this movie following the 2003 release or did he start writing it before Lionsgate, you know, kind of did? So because he did the first one, you know, said 2000. So both of these have been kind of like, ah, uh, so House of a Thousand Corpses. He was brought in to help design haunted houses for Universal Horror Nights because they were trying to bring it back. And he said, ah, 
was making it. He's like, kind of got this idea for a movie, and they immediately pushed him into like a pitch meeting. So he bullshitted, and then like that night wrote a twelve-page treatment for House of a Thousand Corpses and came back. And then this one, um, Lionsgate profited off House of a Thousand Corpses. Like you look at the numbers, they're they're rather low, but that's back when you could make a movie could make sixteen million dollars and not be considered a failure and be highly profitable. And they Lionsgate was happy and made the return on their investment after opening weekend. So they were like, let's. Do you have another one in you of these? And um, he said he had a little bit of a bit of an idea. Yeah, I was just curious if he it. even yeah. bothered to. I didn't know if he already had like kind of the story ready. And he's like, all right, yep. we get to make another one. Let's go. He or makes the right just- decision because most people would be like, oh, let's just have some more people go to that fucking house. You know, yep. that's and he goes thousand and one. Corpses. It's a completely different movie, you know. And, Which is great. I mean, I I would go as far as to say this is in my top ten films of all time, if not in top five. Um, mm-hmm. Which again, it's a sequel, but it's also a standalone film because he genre shifts, and I don't even think it really is a horror movie anymore because it almost it's it's a thriller action western. Actually, like it kind of has like a like a western flair to it i don't know if it's just the setting well, to me, he just, like, he, vibes, but. he cites bonnie and clyde the wild bunch and badlands or right, badlands well, and texas chainsaw massacre again as influence on this movie so western makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Western. yeah so so again he genre flips in this one because it isn't your your great i think i mean it is a it is a standalone film i don't think you need to see house of a thousand corpses to understand or appreciate this movie they give you a little context at the beginning of it um but you know that they're bad but if it was if this was the original movie and then like they created a prequel of house of a thousand corpses to see what they did it would work if this came out first and then house of a thousand corpses came out as a prequel second i think this movie would work either either way um but i I love this movie because, again, and I still I don't know how many times I've seen it, and I I I I feel like I need to like discuss this in like therapy or something. But I cry every time at the end of this movie. Like mm-hmm. I I connect with this family so deeply, and I'm like they can do it. Like Thelma and Louise, like they're just driving down that road. It's like mm-hmm. live, damn it, live. Like I'm ah. crying, and yet I've I witness what they did, and that to be fair. The hotel or the motel scene in this movie is much more gruesome, I think, than in House of a Thousand Corpses because it's more gritty, more real, and not as colorful either. No, but which I think makes it scarier and more sickening because it isn't um, as stylized. And I actually like this the 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 family, well, the band or the people in the motel more than the two couples in the first one. So the fact that I still empathize with the killers after the, 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 the heinous things they do in this motel room to this, uh, like this people at the wrong, wrong play or wrong place, wrong time situation um, is remarkable that Rob zombie accomplished this in this movie because we have the if you have the context of the first one and what they do and then you have the intro of this movie revealing that there was like the hundreds and thousands of corpses um at their house and knowing that they did all that 
that by the end of this movie, you're like cheering, like you're in watching Free Willy going, you can make it! Like, (laughs) mind-blowing that that happens. And almost 20 years later, this one isn't like 18 years. um, It's still gets me emotional going like I I want to see them pull through because they're just so fun together. Um and and we can get into the reasons why I'll let you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about this. Yeah, he did have um and I've seen him uh, he had a, a scene with Dr. Satan at the beginning of the movie that starred Rosario Dawson. Um mm-hmm. and it was cut from the movie uh and like he's in the Dr. Satan's in the e, in the ER or whatever and working on him and uh the cops the one with uh uh Forsyth and Deputy Doofy or whatever comes in and he's uh hitting on Rosario Dawson and then Dr. Satan awakes and like rips Rosario Dawson's throat out and then he I think he dies like shortly after that and um but Rob Zombie cut it because he's like you know what with what this movie is seeing Dr. Satan would be like seeing Chewbacca walk up into Bonnie and Clyde and that's why yeah. he cut Dr. Satan. It just didn't fit tonally. And that's fine. He was the big thing of the last movie. You can only assume he went down, whatever. Um, he's a you know, he's a cool movie monster, but the less of him, the cooler he is, you know? I think. Yeah. Like I, I don't think people realize sometimes the less you have of something, um, the better. That's why you like you like what you already had and just seeing it again and again, not the same. Um but uh, Jessica, what did you think of this one? Because now, what were you expecting this one to go after you saw the first one? And then you're like, wait, what? This is, is okay. This I'm not like- gonna lie. So I watched the three from hell before I watched Devil's Rejects because oh! I was Ooh. I heard uh, I kind of heard about the motel scene, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can even watch this. Okay, but I was also whatever. I was being a little pussyfoot, so I went with the third one first. But anyway, so once once I watched Devil's Rejects, is it terrible that I was like, well, this wasn't so bad? (laughs) 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 I'm like, I guess it is. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff, so it's like, whatever. It wasn't terrible, but there was a lot of weird stuff. The motel scene still makes me feel really uncomfortable because it's realistic. Yeah. More than like, you know, you walk into a house and you're going to get your face and stuff carved off probably. So that was just really... I felt myself being tense the entire time I'm watching it. Yeah. When he puts the gun in her underwear, I'm just like, oh, yeah. super cringing along with everything else. But um, I cannot believe how many people were in it. Like you said, like Lou Temple. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the heck, Lou Temple? Hey, buddy. Um, I mean, part of it, the, I mean, part of what is effective in the motel is it's Priscilla Barnes. It's poor Priscilla. Like... Three's company, like Three's company. Oh, you know, you see (laughs) that poor girl. Like I've seen her in, like you know, in a James Bond movie. She's ruthlessly murdered and potentially raped. I don't know. They don't say. And then she's in Mallrats, goes topless (laughs) with the three nipples, and then like her post Three's company career has been quite interesting. But this is definitely. But apparently she was, like, Bill Mosley didn't like shooting this scene. Like, Rob Zombie had to tell him, art is ugly, and it's challenging, and it's not fair, and all that. And it's like, okay. And, like, he said he didn't like doing it. He felt weird that Priscilla Barnes was very much, like, 
very like generous and like oh my god like that was great on set and then like wrote him a big letter about how that was one of the finest like moments of her career doing that i'm glad that they scene. were very respectful then yeah on set versus yeah. like let's make like it realistic and let me be real gritty and it's, it's robin sherry and yeah everybody who works with robin sherry always works with robin sherry yep. like they always come back it's always the most friendly sets the safest sets like and and look how ugly his movies can get and everybody's back for more all the time like it, it it's crazy like we'll get to three from hell and we'll see who they've picked up along the way. Like this is where he picks up Daniel Roebuck, who will be yep. in like everything um, going forward. Uh, but yeah, that's... but that shootout, the shootout in the entire beginning of the movie before mm-hmm. we get to the motel was so intense, and I absolutely loved it. And I love that they have this freaking giant armor that they're putting yep. on, basically like this man-made armor. I'm like, holy crap! And they're just charging in there, and they're still trying to fight. And mm-hmm. so. Which is yeah. funny because Texas Chainsaw would copy this when they did that Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, yeah. And they're like, we're going to make a direct sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre that opens up with the cops showing up after the original thing. Yeah. And Bill Mosley's in the shootout. They, <laughs> they have him play um, the old man from the original Texas he that, of course, wasn't living anymore. And they do this fucking shootout thing. And I'm like, wow, that is full circle there. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool setup. Um, gets 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 a ball rolling on this like road trip to hell movie. That... I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I and yeah. I don't know if I was rooting for him still. I guess I'm still just. Although I watched the third one from before, so I know they kind of make it somewhat. Oh, yeah. uh, but still. After I'm watching the end of the movie, I was like, son of a gun. I was like, this has been awesome not to watch, you know, <laughs> if I would have watched um, it in order. My bad. But I did love it because, again, I'm like, holy crap, they just don't care. They are killing cops. They're killing everybody around. They don't care. No fear. Yeah. And it's just like, la, la. But they're doing it for family. Like, this is like, I mean, it's for family. I didn't mean to attack them. <laughs> I mean, I, um, and, oh, the one thing, too, that I forgot to say at the beginning of this. um. For uh, let's just briefly talk about Bill Mosley and Otis. Um, mm-hmm. he had a massive glow up from House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah, one. like Devil's Rejects. Uh, Otis could get it, like, I like, <laughs> like taking off his shirt, and I was like, Hey, Otis. Like, <laughs> well, he's also like, becomes I, the Rob Zombie surrogate in the movie because he has the beard, yep, and like, because you'll know in like Rob Zombie movies, there'll be a guy that's like, Okay, that's Rob Zombie putting himself in a movie, like, just the look <laughs> of somebody. Yeah. And his hair was more, it was a natural color in the first one. It was that like actual white, like glowing kind of um, uh, fake kind of white, like ghostly mm-hmm. type look. This this one, it was just like a dirty blonde and he was just gritty. And I mean, not going to lie, there were a few moments where I'm like, kind of sexy, Otis. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like I don't know if Otis was like, all right, Sherry Moon Zombie's supposed to be the hot one. Like, let's step it up. And like now it's like the two of them. I'm like, both of them could get it. Like, she could get it in the first one, but like together, I'm like, this is one hot family. Um and I mean, so, yeah, Sid Haig's pumping iron too. I mean, we get a, we he gets a sex cool. scene, right? Um, Sid Haig gets a sex scene with Yeah, I was about to say Ginger Lynn. Well, but then that was a dream until right. then it was the actual one with the bait and switch on that, um, which was, I loved that, too. Just like um, which felt very John Waters to me. That Sid mm. Higgs 
um, with the sex scene and then like this, the, the him driving away at the end and her on the street being like, baby, like that. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, out of a John Waters <laughs> film. Or whatever she said to him. She's like, where are you going? Like that that whole, the trailer park, like everything about that moment. I was like, this right. is very waters um, of just, yeah, that that gross out film um, humor. And it worked. It, it just, all of it worked. I don't know how he did it. He's a genius. I would love to work with this man. Like if you're listening, Rob Zombie, talk right. to me. Yeah, um, I I have so much respect for him, what he pulled off. And again, from what you said of like, everybody loves to work with him and the sets are respectful. And the fact that like she could get tortured in this motel room and then write thank you letters after like, great. Right. Well, and, and uh, Lou Temple wasn't going to do this movie. He wasn't sure about it. And and he called Walton Goggins. They were buds. And Walton Goggins said, shut up, do the movie. You do. You go. You show up. You you do your best. You will have a friend for life. Aww. And it's like, and he, and he's like, and then Lou Temple's in more Rob Zombie movies. So so Brian Posehn, I was pumped to see him. I was like, <laughs> all right. And then I was like, oh no, it was really yeah. fast. I kind of thought he was going to get on the sexy action or something a little bit. But What's yeah, going on here? yeah. God, I was pumped. I had no idea he was in it. So oh yeah, fun. I always love seeing him. Like yeah, it he's yeah, it's weird. I I so like this movie like. It caught me by like because I wasn't that high on House of a Thousand Corpses at the time, and then I saw this and I was like, "Holy crap!" And this is a time like I think now this movie could be really shocking to people more than it would have been in two thousand five. Because in two thousand five, this is where all of horror is at. Like you get that that Hills Have Eyes remake, Texas Chainsaw remake. You have Hostel coming out. You have the Saw movies at the time. Horror gets really grisly and like. There's like this door that you want to know what's behind. It's showing you what's behind the door. This whole, most of this decade, that's what, and it starts turning people off from horror because um, everything gets called torture porn and all that stuff during this time. But um, that's this this kind of you know it's one of the leaders in it, uh, the chart leading the charge of stuff. But like it's normal. I don't think anybody would have been as. I mean, of course, there's people who aren't used to horror that would be like, "Holy crap, what is this?" Um, but uh, this was, yeah, this was just not something I was expecting. It's a very unique, he's got all the influences, but this is its own thing yep. through and through. Uh, that the, I mean, and that's even from the trailer, the woman running with her, the face of her boyfriend and the way he films uh, her with the thing ugh. that is haunting. Huh. That is yep. haunting. <laughs> um, how that, that shot, it, it's crazy. Um, the opening of this movie is amazing. Uh, like the, the shootout, yes. And then right after that, you get the needle drop. With the needle yes. drops in this movie are fabulous. They are they are Tarantino Scorsese level brilliance. And yep. right when it has the freeze frame and the zoom, the slow zoom with the mother fire with the gun, I'm like, well, that's an amazing shot and an edit and way to do that. And then like the whole thing doing the pauses and. And, um, you know, old school technique that hadn't been utilized in a long time. He's doing it fresh here rather than all these people that would go on, you know, Grindhouse would come out. That'd be its thing. And then you get all these people like trying to make Grindhouse movies intentionally. Like Rob Zombie's just making his movies and these are the techniques that he has there. He's not trying to be phony with all that stuff. Um, And just like Tarantino, when he made Death Proof, he just made one. He didn't go and like put fake stuff and all that and be cheesy he just 
He just made a movie natural. That's what Rob Zombie does, and that's what he's doing here. And like I, yeah, this opening uh, Midnight Rider stuff is oh, jeez, I could, I could pop it in right now, watch it like three times in a row. It's just such a fabulous edit song goes with it. Um, yep. I love that he also he's never said this, but this he's totally taking the Empire Strikes Back playbook here because this movie starts with the bad guys, the cops pushing the the fireflies out of their home base, okay? And they go on the run. They they seek refuge in a town run by an old friend they haven't seen in a long time who ends up forced to betray them <laughs> and give them up to the bad guy. Yeah. And Ken Foray's black just like Lando too. Like I you know, like it's I'm like you're totally you're totally taking Empire Strikes Back, man. Like I that is too far. That is too detailed to do that. Um, but Ken Foray back in the fold, like he is resurrected. Like that man, you know, Dawn of the Dead, all his stuff with um, Stuart Gordon. I love. I like this man a lot. And Rob Zombie's letting this man have fun. Yeah, and he does it in like a lot of his movies. Like Ken Foray jumps on the fold and stars in more Rob Zombie movies, and he is—he's a blast to watch here with E.G. Daily and all that. Like just the way his report with E.G. Daily um, is wonderful, even when when they have scenes before the the fireflies show up and stuff. It's it's just ah, uh, they're so good here. Um, and that you know the last you know the partying before it all tears to hell. And and honestly, Forsyth, we haven't talked about William Forsyth. This is a hell of a performance for him too. Like nuts. Like he's, uh, it is. Zombies just trying to show like these people can make. You know this guy. I get the. I get the fact this guy's not a good guy before this movie, probably even. But they have turned this guy into almost a bigger monster than the Firefly family. Yep. That's what they've done to this man. Um, and he's just trying to show like this horrible gray area of texas with like there there are your monsters and then there are your good guy monsters i guess too and you don't well, want him to win that's the craziest fucking thing he's the yep. law I, you know i fought the law and the law won no not here like um well that's what is troubling about this is that you do you're you're rooting for the firefight family despite the fact that they just committed these horrific crimes and yet you hate the police more like i hated him in this movie i was like let's just Mm -hmm. kill him off um but like imagine like if the firefight families got to be like vigilante killers and like just kill like rapists and like bad people like like that would be so exciting to me because i was like look they could have their fun but on if they were a bunch of bunch of dexters Yeah, like I would I would really love to see a movie where they're just like, okay, well, you guys can't kill like innocent teenagers anymore. But you know what? Here's a giant group of child rapists. Like, have fun. Like, I would would be like, yay. (laughs) Like that It would be like because you don't know who to root for in these movies because technically everybody's bad. And it's not even like a lesser of two evils because like the Firefly family like owns that they're basically like satan like they they take pride in their joy of killing but then that leads me to how do they like they do make friends and i'm saying going like how like i mean obviously um oh my god what's his name the one you were just talking about ken foray yeah Yeah. Yeah. um what's his character name uh 
What is yeah, it? Yeah, is on, it Charlie's or is it Charlie? Is it well either way, him. Um, like they befriended him, like they had a real friend in him. Like that man was never really at risk of being like tied up and tortured by them until Charlie, like, yep, yep. Guess, the betrayal. But um, but then yeah, um, but but you, I feel like you can find a way to be friends with the Firefly family. And I want to know, like, how do I become a friend of um, rather than like the murder victim of? And <laughs> and I want to know, like, I well, like, I mean, I don't really want to be friends with them. But I mean, like, hey, if it if, if my options are either get killed by them or become friends with them, obviously, I'm going to choose friends. I mean, he's uh, a pimp running a brothel. So. Right. So basically, <laughs> I just need to run a brothel and I might meet the fireflies. Noted. Okay. Um, goals. I have new career goals. Um, but Captain Spaulding think... loved him even more because he pulled that gun and it being a water gun. So oh, yeah. you have to, like, That's try even, to. That is just like when Han Solo shows up and meets Lando <laughs> and he's like, whoop, and he tries to throw the, he fakes throwing the punch. Maybe I'm telling you, it is directly Empire Strikes Back stuff going on. I'm loving it. But I'm like, oh my gosh, this is directly Empire Strikes Back. Um, and and then the dialogue is actually stronger in this movie than in number one, two in House of a Thousand mm-hmm. Corpses. Oh yeah, it, it's much it more gels. quotable. It's much wittier. Um, the lines of the um, the next thing you better say or the next thing you say better be like Mark Twain because that's going on your tombstone. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like, that line. Yes, um, you better start the, spouting um, some Mark Twain shit because it's going yes. on your tombstone. Yes, <laughs> um, I love that and line. And then uh, call me Willy Wonka, and this is my chocolate factory. Like, yeah. what is happening? Like, what? <laughs> What is this random? But I love because that's kind of how I am sometimes. If you're just like out with me, I'll just say random shit, and people are like, "What is happening?" So I appreciate this family for the randomness, but also, what in the world? And I quoted this scene, and I I shouldn't have, and I was like in college too. But after seeing this movie, I, I think my friend actually put the whole quote or the whole scene on a T-shirt for me, but it like has worn off the chicken fucking scene. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite scene in like any movie. He's just like, are you telling me to fuck a chicken? Well, if you just cut the head off and you stick it, go like, he's literally describing what it's like to fuck a chicken by cutting off its head and it makes it spastic. Like what? And, I mean, and you love it. And it's just like, why am I loving this scene where there's a like a homicidal maniac buying a chicken and they're talking about <laughs> fucking it. And like, it's so good. It's just this movie is full of all these random little like asides that don't quite. But like it gives character development to these sociopaths well the guy's like you guys aren't buying it to fuck it are you (laughs) yeah it's like that's that's how he approached the first starts and then like because it's michael berryman and but like he's aside from the chicken fucking scene uh he's treated normal like tiny and the first thing this is the guy from the hills have eyes if people don't know his name michael berryman he's in weird science he's got a he's got a, a differently shaped kind of head he's a um He's the guy on the poster for the Hills Have Eyes. So even if you haven't seen the movie, you know what he looks like. Um, but yeah, there's that's the only moment. But it's coming from a shithead person that's <laughs> cutting chicken's head off and fucking it. Fucking it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. And you just go like, I mean, this movie is kind of almost like Alice in Wonderland. It's just you're going along for the ride, and like, what's next? It is like you're just on a journey. Where and are all just, these places? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's kind it really is like there is one through line of them trying to escape, but it is almost a format of Alice in Wonderland because there isn't really like there is an arc to the movie, but it's this kind of little vignettes woven together of like mm-hmm. we're at the hotel, we're at this next spot on our chase, we're at this next spot, and it's not really giving us or even when they're driving and they're so lovable about the like wanting to get ice cream and like you know oh, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> away. You know and they're just like yep. we want ice cream and it's um and it's Captain Spaulding and baby like teasing Otis and it's just so like family road trip fun and it's like I want to be boops him ice the ice cream coach <laughs> yeah, and it's so cute and it's just them like doing it and then again it's just it, he makes cliches work where you have like the annoying people do it and the quick cutaway and then like next shot is them eating the ice cream and you're like I love this for them like yay they stop but like I kind of wish I got to see them ordering the ice cream like I know right. and for the speed of the movie it was effective for this part of like but I knew that was coming I was like the next scene is going to be them eating ice cream but like I love these people so much that I really wanted to see what it was like to order. Did did Otis sit in the car and wait? Um, did they both go in? Did Baby just go in? Did Spalding go in? Like, who went in to get the ice cream? I want to know. Um, did they kill anyone while they were there? Yeah. Like, yeah. did they... They, they didn't because, get their free uh, sample, so they took him out, and they got all... They got it right? themselves. Well, and yeah. Spalding's not in the first movie a lot. He kind of... He, he's he's a, like a side character, and he becomes yeah. a lead in this movie. Um, because you know he was just visually, I mean he was very popular coming off that movie. Um, but this is the only one where we really get him the whole movie. Wasn't there a poster design? There was multiple posters for House of a Thousand Corpses, mm-hmm. and I, this I think there was a a specialty poster of Captain Spaulding mm-hmm. for House of a Thousand Corpses. The main one wasn't. Um, the main one I can like kind of see. But I know there was like I think a secondary one or something that had right. Spalding's head as like the artwork for the first one. Um, so yeah, he was kind of the figurehead. But you're right, he wasn't really in the movie that much. And I'm kind of wondering what their relation like. Yeah, he kind of just did. It. He was kind of the outlier of it because in the second one, but they call him dad. Like he's the dad. Yeah, he and is then- the dad, but. He was kind of just doing his own thing at the trailer park because he clearly spent the night other places. He wasn't always home. Well, maybe they're separated. And yeah, that's what he's, think, he's doing. I, I feel like they were se- like I think I think he and Mama got separated by by movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which Mama Firefly has some interesting. So like uh, Leslie Eastbrook's really really like it. It's crazy they go from Karen Black to this, and then you're like, well, I think I like this woman a lot. What she's bringing here. Um, yeah. It's a and she's got some tough scenes too, and that how she goes, um, being the one that's caught and has to sit and do the questioning and stuff. It's quite interesting. And then you know the she gets killed by the police officer. Um, but yeah, Leslie Eastbrook's quite good here. Like it's I, I, I it's, it's weird. I like I don't know if I can see Karen Black doing this. Yeah, like it's all it's it, it's a it's a different character almost than it was last time. Yeah. Like it, it vi- wasn't a Jersey housewife um, in the second one. Right. Visually it works, but like, yeah, I think, yeah, there, one's the movie version. The other's the real life version, yeah. of it. which he continues this stuff, uh, by the way, of the transitions of the TVs and stuff that he films real close. And that's like a, a thing that goes on throughout this series um, that he, the visual cues that he does here 
Um, and he has like Daniel Roebuck doing reports in this one in between. Um, and one other like scene that I quoted all the time that was put on a shirt um, when Otis takes out the motel and he takes the two men outside um, mm-hmm. and then they try to defend themselves. And to be fair, mm-hmm. I actually kind of respect the two guys for actually attempting to take down Otis. Like I didn't really want Otis to be killed yet, but mm-hmm. I like that they tried to escape. Like there was mm-hmm. something about him, like, okay, you actually are making a, concerted effort to really go for it and like live like respect um but but the fact that they didn't and it gave me one of my favorite moments and i don't know why i love it so much but it was so unexpected and i remember being in the theater and i saw this about four times in the theater um the first time i saw it it was an empty theater and i was with my friend olivia and i burst into laughter because he's like all right pray for me and he goes bless the bunnies God bless the little birds. And I lost my shit. I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're telling me that you just literally watched this other, like you're the other guy, the son-in-law, the son or whatever, get shot by your gun because Otis turned it on. And now you're like now on the ground and he tells you to pray. And the first thought you have is bless the bunnies. Like what? Like, who came up with this, like, respect? I just lost. So now, like, anytime, like, shit just happens in, like, my life, I will be with my friend Olivia. I'm like, bless the bunnies and bless the little birds. Like, I say that all the time because of this movie. But for the longest time, I thought it was God bless the bunnies. And I rewatched it, like, multiple times, this one. And he only says bless the bunnies. And he says God bless the little birds. But either way, um, it's, like, all the years that I got it wrong. Where again, like Star Wars, where it's like Luke, I am your father, which they don't. It, that's not the actual. It was Mandela. Line. It wasn't you. It was Mandela. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. God bless the bunnies. It's just bless the bunny. <laughs> but I will always remember that moment of like bless the bunny. Like, I mean, I, I, it's fascinating what goes through somebody's mind. But to me, that makes it almost more real because you're not thinking and you don't know what to do. But where did bunnies come from? Like. <laughs> <laughs> like sunshine and what what is happening in the that cheese moment? makers Man. yes uh, like it just it starts off so wild and it's just terrible because there is no there the there is no with with um with the firefly family they take such joy in their killing and the way they kill that you really probably like there's literally nothing you could say to them to make you like not get murdered by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just putting on a show at that point. So I think it's probably like more enjoyable, the more bizarre like shit that they try to do or say before they get murdered. So I'm sure Otis probably loved like, what is this man talking about about the bunnies? Like, I'm sure going through his mind, he's like, well, this is new. Um, <laughs> like somebody brought me something different. Like, congratulations. So I just, I don't, I just love what he did with this movie and the characters and the choices he made and the flow of it. And I know you already talked about like the horrifying image of her running down the street mm-hmm. with the skin mask, but we didn't even talk about in the first one. Um, they cut off the dad's face. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh. Yep. Oh, I forgot they, about that. Yeah, oh. they skinned, they skinned our final girl's head. Um, and then Otis wearing that and like shoving that like around her face. Give um, daddy a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like. Gross. They're they're oh. like she just had her like she not only like her dad was murdered, 
Oh, and I love that this movie, like the dad, like took the initiative to try to find her. Like there were so many things in this movie that in the first one that they did. And then the second one, um, they let her live. But, you know, it's fascinating that they did let her live, even though she was killed by getting hit by a truck. Um, I wonder, though, would like had she not have gotten hit by a truck, would she have been classified as a survivor? Like she would have maybe survived. Like I feel like the truck hitting her was kind of convenient in the scheme of things. Oh, but well, also- I, I think it's kind of like an all that and then this happens, yeah, type thing. And Rob Zombie is known for like having no restraint, <laughs> so he'll he'll go. He'll just keep going in places. I mean, she was delirious at that point. Like I, I mean, I, I. I watched that scene again and the, the the sheer terror of the maid coming in, the housekeeper, the um, cleaner to coming mm-hmm. in and seeing the dead bodies and the blood everywhere. And then obviously when somebody falls on you because she was hung on the back of the door, she was like hoisted on the back of the door um, with the skinned face um, wearing it li- like alive still like the maid i understand running because at that point you don't know if this is a killer or a victim or what like you don't know so um for us you're like no she's the victim but then you but like putting yourself in the mind of this poor um housekeeper like this poor woman who's like shoved into the situation it would be terrifying to see somebody flailing around with a skin face on them Ooh. by the same time though um why did I, I kind of I get the panic that this woman felt of being abandoned and now wearing the skin of somebody of mm-hmm. her like husband. But I, I feel like she had usage of her arm. Didn't she have use? Of, I feel like she, it did. Been, mm-hmm. she did. So she could have taken off the like, Try. I know you're hilarious, but like I, I know myself personally and I don't like things to be uncomfortable on me. Like I mm-hmm. like I. Like, when I when wear I was, my human mask. Yeah, like, well, like my first year at Burning Man, I was like, oh, I'm going to wear all these costumes. I'm going to have jewelry. I'm going to have headbands. I'm going to have blah, 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 blah. And then I realized, like, it's hot. It's gross. When I'm running, <laughs> like, I want all this. I'm, like, stripping down a lot. Like, I was like, I want easy on, easy off. So, like, in her situation, if I was forced to wear anything, like, excessive, whether it be a mask of plastic or human skin, I would immediately be like, oh, I'm running. Free hands. Rip that off of myself. Uh, yeah. Like, instinctually, right. I would, like, get anything off of me that's, like, extraneous um, because I, like, that level of comfort. So I kind of don't know why she left it on for so long, but I think she was delirious at that point because I don't think any of us um, would be able to really articulate what it would be like mm-hmm. to witness what just happened and then be, and we don't know how many like hours she was just kind of on that, like hook on the door with the face on, which probably smelt horrific and, I don't know. So, I mean, again, I, it's not a critique of the movie. It just makes you wonder, like, what would you do in that situation? And it's like, I don't know what I would do. But I just felt bad for the maid. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, back in the motel scene and quotes and stuff you're talking about, and us talking about uh, depiction doesn't equal endorsement. Yeah. It'd be funny. So if this came out today, they wouldn't. It's funny. I don't think they'd be talking about the violence. I think they'd be talking like, so. uh there's the part in the in the hotel room or the motel room where baby's just going, 
Chinese, Japanese, dirty oh, yeah. names. Look at these. That's what, if you were on like film Twitter, that's all they'd fucking focus on from oh, this movie. Yeah. Despite all the violence, they would fight. Despite yep. that was a thing people did back then. Like, I, that, seeing Baby do that, that's not the first time I've heard that in my life. Like, no, no. I heard I, that in elementary school a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, yeah, it's wrong. Oops. Was it ever right? No. Uh, but it's something that happened, and that's, that, that's like the honesty he's putting in there that is off-putting, but it's like, let's act like people didn't talk like that back, like where people, because the problems, they had problems like when Mad Men was somewhat popular, well-reviewed, people tried to knock it off on network TV, and it was never working because they kept changing things and making it dishonest or like trying not to have the smoking or the, like, and it's like, no, that's why Mad Men's good because Mad Men's not, it's fearless. It's not afraid to show you the horrors of what we used to be like in an honest way. Like that's, that's, um, and to be fair, most teen movie, like teen comedies had more offensive, like mm -hmm. dialogue than what baby said in that moment. Right. Well, again, it doesn't make it right, but it get people were saying it. And the fact that it was not only being said in, but like in the context of this horror movie, it's, I mean, like, of course she's going to say that because they don't like, they literally torture and rape people. Right. So like, an offensive you slur. You mean bad not. people say bad things? Like, I've never understood that. Like, people need bad guys to be, people to be like, well, but they don't cuss, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, like, because people, like, get mad at a movie because they get mad at the creator for putting something, like, what's awful that would really be, that an awful person would do. Oh, this, I write it down. They must think that way. Like, no, they think of the worst shit to evoke an emotion out of you or to show how bad these people are, and then they get accused with this. It's just, it's baffling how, you know, I'm not, like, trying to be, like, a bunch of sensitive people, but you, there's, like... Our media literacy is like gone down the toilet with things a lot nowadays. Um, but where it's like, I'm not like, like again, as Greg had a disclaimer at the beginning, we're not endorsing this. We're just trying to be like, yeah, that's shitty people. He's showing shitty people in an honest way. Like, yeah, she's yeah. murdered people, but you're focused on her racist slurs? Like, like, come yeah. on. Um, I mean, that's not the part I even I like. I actually honestly forgot about that until you just said yeah. it because it is so. It is really random when it does happen, but that's not the memorable part for me. It's bless mm -hmm. the bunnies and like all <laughs> right, the yeah, yeah, it's a very sweet. It's non-offensive <laughs> stuff that like I quote all the time, but like I didn't watch this movie coming out being like I'm gonna say this now. I, 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 yeah, that that uh, phrase did not take off that that year. So yeah, no. so I think other people were focused on. Mm -hmm other things in this movie than that which is right. great but, well because uh, in 2005 people wouldn't give a shit about that being in a movie that a murderous psychopath was saying like, like yeah um, that sounds about right yeah but like, like i said though in the 2000s though that line would probably you could find in a teen comedy right like an american pie or something with one of those assholes donnie off. darko go back yeah. to china bitch oh yeah yeah oh but again, that <laughs> happened at the time. And that's the thing is like, okay, those are time capsules for what people actually lived in. Yeah. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that it's acceptable and showing it doesn't make it right. And even showing it to new generations, it's more of a let's look at 
things from back then and what people experience and learn how to adapt and understand why it's wrong. Because if you just mm-hmm. kind of like remove it all, especially if you're trying to go back and do period pieces and you get rid of all that yeah, stuff that is- was so um ground like built into like society mm-hmm. and how people spoke, then then newer generations won't understand why previous generations really are the way they are because yeah. Well, this movie takes place in what seventy seven or seventy eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like so. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't care. You know, you know who didn't care. You know who liked this movie? Who? Roger Ebert. Oh he gave, yeah. He gave it three out of four stars and said there is actually some good writing and acting going on here. If you could step back from the violent material enough to see it, and then later in his review for uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake. He said, "I referenced the devil's re- uh, he referenced the devil's rejects, saying, "I received some appalled feedback when I praised Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects, but I admired two things about it that were absent from The Hills Have Eyes. One, it desired to entertain and not merely to sicken, and two, it de- it de- its depraved killers were individuals with personalities, histories, and motives." Yep. So, yep. and. There's heart, like again, and I said this earlier. I was like, this movie at the end of the day is still like mm-hmm. built like around heart and and the love of this family, whether you agree with them or not. And I hope nobody in the real world outside of movies agrees with this family in any capacity because right. no. But in this universe, um, this is love and this is family and this is support and they are in it together. It's just like it's no different than like the. Fast and the Furious, and it's like we're family. Like it's their chosen family. And they're <laughs> in together. It's just very different context. Toretto like, versus Firefly. Murder. Like it, it just. I mean, again, that's kind of the joke of the Fast and Furious franchise of like family. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could say that about the Firefly. You could say like family is at its core because like that's what we are. And 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 you get that in three a little bit, and you like pick it up because when they found out that um, Mama Firefly died, you see their actual this pain. Gut punch, yeah. And but see, that's what makes it fascinating because I really like honestly, I should go. I mean, I've I really at this point in my life because it's kind of a mess. I've contemplated going back to. Um, get my PhD in psychology. That was my undergrad. And I, when I was doing my undergrad, I wanted to do an emphasis on criminal psychology, Mm -hmm. but I would love to like, if I were to go to my, go back to school and do a PhD in psychology, I would love to actually probably do criminal psych and Mm -hmm. try to do almost a thesis on this movie because to understand this family is they, they do, they do have empathy to a certain degree. And, Mm -hmm. and so they're not, completely sociopathic despite their actions being that way because there is a certain level of self-awareness and there is a certain level of um commitment to each other so they don't have that narcissistic <clears throat> personality that a lot of killers also have mm-hmm. in in ways <clears throat> so i would love to actually like study this family because it it is very troubling because you could meet them at the ice cream store and not be killed by them and not even realize that what they do, because they do come across as just a normal, not normal, but like they just come across as a, as just a, a family, like bickering. Like family, I can imagine yeah. 
Um, I can imagine them being friends with like the Bundys, like married with children, like if they're <laughs> neighbors. Like, I mean, that would be a crossover I would love. Like the Fireflies move. Next That's to a the perfect Bundy. crossover that yeah, you bring it up. Like that, that works. Right. Marcy like, and just- Jefferson would never last. They'd be like, what happened to them? They got slaughtered. Didn't you see them? And they're like, you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. But like, I feel like Peg and like Mama Firefly would be like besties. Right. And, like, <laughs> I, I I think that they would. Like, I I why they would have tea and like Baby would come over. Oh my God, Baby and um um Kelly uh, Kelly, Kelly. 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 Yep. Bundy would totally like go like try and close together, and it's just, like I could see that happening. And I feel like the Fireflies would genuinely be their friend, but not also subject them to that other murderous side of them like i feel like they would go like oh sorry we have to run home real quick and take care of something and they would like fireflies would go and like torture people they would probably kill kelly bundy's friends but they probably wouldn't kill her like right, yeah i don't know um so it's where where do they draw the line like where does it like from a psychology perspective like where does this family draw the line of of when it's fun and arbitrary and like victim selecting to who they're loyal to and dedicated to. And it's, and that it's an interesting dynamic that again, this movie has more depth than most any horror movie. Um, And I mean, I would put it on, even though it's a very different style in the realms of like almost prestige film, like a silence of the lambs where it really gets into the grit of it. It's just, I think the style of it and it Mm -hmm. takes the torture to the next level um, beyond like, an Academy Award winning film like Sons of the Lambs, but you still have a serial killer in that one. You still have horrible crimes in it, but that's from the perspective of like the police more so. And this is just from the killer killer's perspective. Right. So I, I just, I really think this film is, and it's a film. It's not just a movie. I think this is like a quality film. Yeah, no. There's <clears throat> things to study in it, <clears throat> but it's hard to justify those thoughts and actually be vocal about your love for it when you know what they did to these people and it's terrible. And that's where I struggle is like, I'm celebrating a film that does horrible things that, yeah. And it, and it just, and I think Rob Zombie is kind of a genius for it. And yet he's one of the most wholesome, sweetest, hardworking men. Right. <laughs> I think well, that line with them when it comes to the killing, it reminds me of game of Thrones. Um, uh, Tyrion played by Peter Dinklage says that he has a soft spot in his heart for like cripples, bastards and broken things. So yeah. you kind of see that like if you, if they come across outcasts, whether it's like other whores or maybe just, you know, uh, pimps, they're like outcasts kind of like them. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. they think, yeah, you're on, we're not after you, but it's these goody good uh, right. people or innocent people that makes it even better versus it's cheerleaders. That yeah. Be anyone yeah. that's innocent or like, Yes, socially accepted or blah, blah, blah. But anyone else that might be looked at as like or looked down upon, I think they're like, okay with. Okay. Because in the third movie, I felt like that uh, with um, the guy that everyone called like a little monster. I think it was a monster. Hmm. He was so sweet. I was pulling for him. But we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. Before we go. So before we move on to that one, um, zombie Rob Zombie to me has three like masterworks from him that I absolutely love and this is probably the staple the cornerstone for him his filmography like the one like everybody most people are going to agree was a great movie he made Uh, but I also think Lords of Salem and his director's cut of Halloween 2 are up there with this one as just uh, 
awesome stuff like from him just hitting full force with his influences making his own thing and like the halloween too like he it's kind of art housey he's doing the trauma thing before the 2018 one came out and everybody's like oh look it's about trauma and people even though they did it with h2o and then rob zombies really hit it hard like his is really about the trauma like it's it's very good with that stuff um in multiple ways but then they try to act like oh no we've never done that before um we got jamie lee back here we go uh but um but yeah so his and it's you know it's not easy watches with things like that like watching daniel or daniel harris and um what's her what's scout taylor compton like go at each other in scenes because they're dealing with shit um uh, but yeah, um, this one's really up there and this one mopped up the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Like it was nominated for a bunch and took home almost like all of them. So it was well liked by the horror community that year. Um, but on the other side of the coin, we can go on to three from hell, uh, as Jessica alluded to here. Uh, the search for the fugitives known as the devil's rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. Chances for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. <laughs> now we can have a real day of the dead. <laughs> Any last words? I still want a party. Just a clown dancing for the sins of mankind. The Avengers come. <laughs> this is my death factory. <laughs> you are the product. I love it. <laughs> Hello, America. Did you miss me? Once again, written directed by Rob Zombie, <clears throat> starring Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Richard Brake, Sid Haig, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Kevin Jackson, Tracy Lee, Sylvia Jeffries, Emilio Rivera, Richard Edson, Pancho Moeller, um, D. Wallace, Stacey Greenwell, Clint Howard, Danny Trejo, Daniel Roebuck, Lucinda Jenny, Austin Stoker, uh, Alexandra Ella, Jackie S. Garcia, Flora Day, Maria Chawa, and narrated by Barry Boswick. Um, after barely surviving prison, the demented Firefly clan go on the run, unleashing a whole new wave of murder, madness, and mayhem. Um, of note, Sid Haig was in poor health, um, and Rob Zombie had to rewrite the role, and he almost wanted to leave him out, but Lionsgate said, no Sid Haig, no film. So that's why he's in it um, very little. Uh, and they introduced the new character. Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Foxy Coltrane, played by Richard Brake, who Richard Brake starts in Halloween 2 and then is in all, like most of Rob Zombie's movies, 
after Halloween too. Uh, we also, uh, you know, Dee Wallace joins up in Halloween. She's in plenty of them after that. Uh, and Jeff Daniel Phillips, who I want to, I want to point out, he is like, he starts in Halloween too, and has been a main role in uh, his movies after that. And I think he, I think Jeff Daniel Phillips, when they allow, when the roles allow, he has really good chemistry with Sherry Moon. So I think that's part of why he keeps coming back is I think those two really, I mean, when they share a scene together, it's really good stuff. Like they have really good uh, on-screen chemistry um, in movies together, especially it comes off really well in Lords of Salem. If you ever see that one, that, they're the monsters. They're Herman uh, Munster together with um, in the monsters movie. So, yeah. So, uh, Jessica, since you saw this, the second one you saw. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> You loved oh, it. I did love it. It was really sad because I was like, wait a minute, I think Sid Haig died. And it's like you're watching that mm-hmm. entire beginning, him filming, and it's like that part was rough just because of the reality of what he was going through. Mm-hmm. And so that was really sad. But a part of me was like, I'm glad he was able to do that. And I hope he was really excited to still be able to do that for like the fans and kind of mm-hmm. like saying like a goodbye to everyone. So I was like, oh dang, this is getting a little emotional just watching that part. Um, I did question a lot when it came to baby being up for parole because they're arrested right they made it they survived Mm -hmm. but she's up for parole and i'm like how would anyone be up for parole the manson the manson girls got up for parole many times so i think that's what he's trying to go for okay i was like what the heck no way this but anyway there's a this movie i will say straight up um had a great variety of female breasts i appreciated every <laughs> set of boobs that were shown because they were all varieties the very first one was the most perfect like a perfect set and it's like oh my gosh she's beautiful um then you have like the tinies there's nothing there then you have like the flabbies like there was every single boob and it's something as a female you can appreciate because not everyone has like the whatever you know like whatever you might call the perfect set so i will say that i appreciated that they were all represented very well and um but then you get down again the kind of the torture scenes not nearly as bad as the motel scene so maybe because after i watched the third one first i was like oh this isn't so bad but um whoa kind of a like what the heck a little trippy and then you're kind of uh judging the warden the warden's never a good guy is he Mm -hmm. Is it, no matter what movie you watch, I feel like the warden's always a bad guy, but I couldn't. That was kind of weird. I don't know. I just felt really bad for all the families. I'm always sad for the innocent people. I know I I wanted the fireflies to get caught and like leave them alone until baby chases after the one girl in the yard and just starts stabbing her going crazy because she's mm. finally let loose out of the prison. And I love that so much because the grandma is across the street. Just oh, watching. yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. It's like, yep. hey. I thought that was yeah. so funny, and I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. But, yeah, well, when, when Baby's in prison, I think I said this earlier, something about that was so relatable because she's kind of a little cuckoo, um, and she's just meowing and, like, dancing and kind of losing it because, you know, she's been locked up. But people uh, love her. They think she's hot. They think they're admiring them. Maybe that's the Manson type thing, too, yep. the Manson trials or anything like that. People get really hot right. on the killers. Which makes sense. That's that absolutely makes sense. And I don't know if it's just him being I don't know if it's obnoxious or you're trying to exaggerate it a little bit more too to mm-hmm. show how like ridiculous it can be. But I don't know. When it came to this movie, I really loved Baby. 
Yeah. I loved her because um, she had the biggest heart. She had such a big heart. And I enjoyed watching her throughout the entire film, even through the very end um, when they're in Mexico, um, because she's befriending someone again, someone that's considered an outcast. And she's mm -hmm. just, you know, being sweet with him. And I enjoyed the movie um, a lot. Uh, the way they started this movie with the kind of the the trials and all that, where you were saying it might have been overdone. I don't I mean, the during the Manson stuff, at least when I've been to the. Um, Museum of Death and other things. People were that like uh, obsessed, crazed fans of the oh, Mansons wow. in real life. I don't think this was exaggerated. I I do believe that if this family was real, I I think that people would be cheering, making signs, sending letters, doing those. I thought it was really funny that like Spalding had um, the black men speaking for him, like at the beginning when they're like talking, like every like they did like cutaways to just random people on news clips or other things and like Spalding had like, these two guys who were just like ah he's the man blah 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 like Spalding like it was kind of <laughs> funny of like who Rob Zombie chose to like celebrate each of the respective yeah. family um, it was just interesting to me um, but the idolizing crime stuff I felt like was unfortunately very real and again you see me like celebrating and cheering this family but like in real life I would never actually do that to murder victims I, t <laughs> I actually don't really watch true crime stuff either I'm weird like that I love horror movies but I don't really like true crime because I don't like giving a name or a story to an actual killer um, so I that's why I probably love it so much in movies because in my real life, I try to disassociate and not name killers out loud because I don't think they deserve a name. Um, right. So, so, but yeah, people were that obsessed with the Mansons and I felt very, it almost, it was like a cross between both Manson, but also kind of like the Ted Bundy trials. Yeah. Right. Um, well, okay. and like, uh, was it Te Tex from the Manson family? He was uh, like married multiple times while in prison to women who yeah. were fans. I think he's still married to some woman or whatever. If that's oh, it just makes you so uncomfortable that people would be like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. like, mm, I'm so excited about this." There's just something about that yeah. freaks me out. But hey, there's people in the movie they're killing, so if people are, you know, doing mm -hmm. that, of course there's gonna be someone else that's into it. Yeah, and I mean, like Otis, like I said, after his glow up from like <laughs> the first one, he could get it. That's like, true. <laughs> I mean, like, by the third one, he was like, he got prison body. Like, I mean, like, he was good in the second, but, like, prison body Otis. <laughs> like, stepping up every day. <laughs> so, um, and then the 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 new guy, um, also, like, a strapping, strapping man in a way. Um, He's, um, but Richard Brake, he, like, he is a person, you know how, um, they talk about how, uh, with Tarantino, Christoph Waltz is the guy that he met that just, delivered his dialogue some of the most beautiful ways like they're meant for each other when he writes like Richard Brake reads Rob Zombie dialogue amazingly like he yeah. is so so good at it yeah and um and I think it worked for the movie like I I'm, I'm surprised Rob Zombie knowing that Sid's health was deteriorating like was gonna maybe not put him in the movie because I feel like it was almost a perfect little like goodbye to him the way it's it was sad cool. it's really it yeah really yeah tragic but uh, like but also necessary and I think for the story to continue I think it worked to have somebody who was stronger and younger in the mix of the three oh, of absolutely. them because they were ba because baby and Otis 
wouldn't be able to do what they did on their own. And baby Otis and Spalding wouldn't be able to do what they did after two on their own. So I feel like they would have needed somebody with a little bit more strength and energy to add to the mix. So, so and that they can pick on too. Yeah. They can pick on and having Spalding kind of die. I mean, it sucks that it would kind of mirrored real life. Um, but having him die, I think, was actually worked better for the movie. Um, but I can't imagine him not having a send off, though. So I don't know what I'm curious to know what his thoughts were if he yeah. would have completely him out of the movie, because I thought it was just handled really beautifully and effectively. And it actually fit the story. You have baby getting out because she killed people Mm -hmm. and you have Otis escaping with help. So like both of their, their escapes kind of work and there's no way Spalding would have gotten out. He was too old by this point. Right. And I mean, but even in the context of this, in the movie, even if like in real life, he was feeling spry and ready to go. I think his character would still not be able to get out at all. Because in the movie, so, it, the timeline of the movie is like ten years after Devil yes. Rejects, so yeah. we're we're now into like the '80s, which I part of my issue. So I'm not the that big on this one. I like this. This is the only second time I've seen it, and I liked it a lot more this time than I did the first time I saw it. Because up until Baby's Breakout, I think they have a they have an interesting movie going on that he really I thought would have tied to the times more because they're going with that fandom of you know, killers and stuff, and then being in jail, dealing with that, dealing with the uh, pop culture world. So uh, I thought it would focus on maybe their pop culture input. They could have brought in the whole talk show circuit because they kind of tease like talk shows, but like um, that went in the 80s and kind of play them up with the satanic panic and stuff of the 80s and bring them on talk shows and see how they would, you know, interact with the crowd being in prison and stuff. But um, I feel like once Baby returns uh, and they get past their motel scene here, then it becomes just the same movie as The Devil's Rejects again. Yeah. So it kind of they kind of go through this. Which for Jessica, it was fresh. So she didn't know that it was going <laughs> to be the same thing yeah. again. But like, there's um, there's a very interesting movie. It starts out being that it never kind of delivers on it. It wants to get back to the to the basics fine it's a victory lap we enjoyed it last time it's done pretty good here um as well but uh that that's kind of one thing i'm like oh man there is so much potential to dig into the times here with them in a like you know like natural board killers stuff like that uh where you're where you look at these people um and where they've come from and how they deal with the prison system the pop culture like do you put them in a special spot because they're such significant people um there's even the fun part where when they're going to the motel bitching about who's going to go in there and get it get it and they bring up night blindness again because remember chris hartwig had it in the first one but what he's like oh they might recognize me i'm the night wolf and he's like you <laughs> dumb fuck no one knows who you are Baby's like, I'm the star. And then I like how Baby's just like, I'll go fucking do it. And like, and it's yeah. not a big deal to her, but like, he's all worried. I'm like, I'm, I'm the night one. It's like, yeah, no. And then Otis like, no, shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> like, I am public enemy number fucking one, dude. Like, no yeah. one knows who you are. No one cares. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty uh, interesting. And for no, but like, he went from doing a low budget horror to doing 
you know, a decently budgeted one with the second one, and then, then he's back to like no budget for uh, this third one, and he's able to pull, pull off some of the same goods, like even helicopter shots for the credits on the roads. Uh, pretty, yeah. Like I, I think it's a helicopter, not a drone in this one. I know the second one's uh, Devil's Rejects a helicopter shot, but I, I was like just watching the motion. I'm like, I don't think he used a drone there. I think he got a helicopter. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's got that same kind of vibe once you once it gets rolling. There's the tour instead of a hotel, you're at the house yeah. um, of the people, and then um, and the woman running out, and yeah, baby's like, uh, we better go. Yeah, the old woman saw us, so uh, yeah, we should get. And they go to, you know, escape to a place that turns on them, um, and big shootout in the end. But yeah, you know, this one, you know, doesn't. Yeah, they let them ride into the sunset in this one, rather than um, being demolished. But Danny Trejo comes back for that cameo to set up this whole thing because they kill the kill the wrong guy, wants revenge. Um, but there's interesting relations in that parlor. Um, those poor, the poor uh, prostitutes, they get just massacred upon everything. But the little, the, the small guy, he was a, he was a good character addition to this. And you can see Baby had a real compassion for, mm-hmm. for him. Like I don't want to eat alone. I'm sick of eating alone. I've been eating for, for years. Um, but yeah, if if you like the characters and stuff, this is a nice little kind of victory lap ish movie, um, with it. And uh, D Wallace, what a nasty role she's in. And this one, like, you know, she, I mean, not like she hasn't been nasty before, but this this warden named after Ilsa from those uh, B movies from back in the the exploitation films back yeah. in the seventies, just yeah, interesting seeing her such a nasty little role. Uh, I think my favorite cameo is Richard Edson. Uh, mm. the one that like ends up selling him out or whatever at the hotel who played yeah. Spike in Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993. Yes. <laughs> I was and, like, I know this guy's face. Hold on. I have to look it up. And he stole the car in Ferris Bueller when they, <laughs> when they, in the garage where the garage attendants. But yeah. But you're right. He betrayed them just like uh, the fake Ke- Lando Ke- did. A. Yeah. Or Charlie did. Yeah. Yeah. So similar thing. But this guy did it viciously rather than being forced. Right, he wants some yeah, money. Come on, so it's kind of different turn, turn on him. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting movie. It's the same movie, but does some different things. I I like Jeff Daniel Phillips being part of it. The the warden, he's he's always fun in these Rob Zombie movies. Um, the Clint Howard having to try to make them laugh. And oh I was gosh! Like, oh no, is he really going to make them laugh? And he just pees himself, and they they're like, "Ah, oh, heck, you did it! You made me laugh." And he still yep. got shot. Go? <laughs> he yeah. still died. Oh no, I felt bad. Yeah, that's. Oh, I actually that's thought brutal. they'd let him go. That's a that's a disturbing. Yeah, that's the just that's how they took it to a level to make it disturbing, with uh, that that scene in there, with everybody in the home. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. <laughs> Clint Howard. And then they have uh, uh, what's his name from the the peanut butter commercials, which baby talks to at the vending machine oh yeah that she that she kills and he appears in more rob zombie movies as well um but yeah which is like why you want to go back with them them guy or because they already have prostitutes he's like i don't charge you (laughs) yeah um yeah this movie i don't i don't have i mean i like it and i just like the family but i don't have any 
because as you said, it kind of is a rehash of the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main note that I wrote was, hey, Granny, that's my big takeaway from... <laughs> You already mentioned it, Jessica. Like that was my big takeaway from from Three from Hell. Is hey, Granny. <laughs> um, it's just it's so good. Like, but honestly, like, well, her baby's reaction. Like, we probably should go. And then, but like, I don't think Granny was rushing to her phone either. With the like, oxygen, it's like, like yeah. I'm so glad they left her alive. So yeah. Good. Oh, see, that's what I mean. Is like, I just like they they. It's so like it's not arbitrary who they kill like that poor guy by the vending machine uh who died like like she she goes back in the hotel is like and otis is so pissed off he's like damn it like you couldn't just give us one minute <laughs> like he's just pissed off because she just was like she had to kill and it's like that impulsive bloodlust that like in the wrong moment like she just wants to kill and that's a little troubling because i feel like i feel like if i ran into them i might I might be able to like survive the first encounter, but probably not the second encounter type of yeah. situation. Like, I, I, I don't know. I want to believe because, but then at the same time though, again, I'm like trying to rationalize fictitious character, like fictional characters, but like, I don't, I mean, in real life though, like I've learned, like if anybody you're kind of like, like kind of is a little troubling to you, be nice like just, yeah my instinct yeah. isn't to be like what the fuck it's just like oh how, like it's not even like a fake thing it's just like literally be nice and then if you're uncomfortable be nice and then just kind of like move because like i've been in situations with people who are not nice and i've been nice and it's led to very troubling things in my life um but at the same time though i feel like it might have been worse had i been not nice so I don't know. Like, I just, I, I just wonder with this family, like how in the, in the third one, it just kind of feels like you're just following along daily life more than a move, like more than the other two, which have more of a structured story. I feel like this one is just kind of like um, more of almost like a reality show. I think this third one has mm-hmm. kind of that energy of just like, where where we 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 know what's going on now we're just following their like their break from prison and like what's happening is like oh they're in like the motel and then it got interrupted because she like killed somebody it doesn't feel like a story beat as more of just like we're we're getting a glimpse more into just how they exist in the world at large yeah. um at the point to everything kind of um and again, this is a testament to his directing and his style is all these scenes don't really add to the story, but they all fit the character. So it's really a character driven yeah. movie yeah. rather than a story driven movie, because like the guy at the vending machine, there was no real point to any of that or his death. It wasn't mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't add to the story beyond and kind of made them have to leave quicker. But it just kind of happens and it shows how awful they are. But at the same time though, you think it's funny and it's just like the reaction to it was funny. Yeah. Um, that they had to escape and just, uh, and when they were in Mexico and the stuff that was happening and like even the innocent people and the poor, like hookers all getting murdered and you're just like, Oh, this is sad, but you're like, I don't, it, it's just so bizarre that this movie gives you feelings about things that you shouldn't be feeling that way about. 
Um, mm. Because in most situations, you you would want to go like, oh, my God, I cannot believe these people just killed that man of the vending machine. I can't believe now these people are now in this situation, putting this entire room of prostitutes at risk. But like you, you find it so enjoyable and joyous in its own right. way that you're cheering for that sunset ride and by the third movie and how many innocent people have they killed and baby torturing the woman on the grass with the knife and saying hi to granny i mean like how he manages to make murder like acceptable in this universe i'm going to say in this universe not in real life but in this universe is shocking and and this movie just kind of solidifies his accomplishment with his family, whether you like the movie or not as a movie, it, it still proves that he is a nuanced, thoughtful director, even towards heinous behavior. However, gotcha. I will condone heinous behavior. Like when baby's in prison and the jailer lady oh. Oh, sets yeah. her up and those two women are like, oh, we're going to take care of her. And baby's just like, bam, 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 lights are out and you don't know what's yep. going on and turn the lights on and just baby like, you know, whatever you got any, but anyone else like you want this? Like, I don't know. It's just so weird. I loved it. She's kicked both her asses. Yep. Yeah. Took them out. No big deal. Like, yep. oh, that's when I was like, okay, I'm all for that killing because she was getting jumped. Um, granted, I think her and the jailer lady weren't getting along anyway, whatever, mm-hmm. but still don't set her up to get her ass beat. Cause mm. you can't take down baby. You can't take down a firefly. You can't. That's the, oh. that's the thing. Like, well, now we're down to like, and baby, there is that moment in this one where baby does mention to Otis, like it's just us now, like that's it. After Captain Spaulding yeah. dies, and there's Richard, Br- you know, uh, culture is like, oh, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, well, but again, I don't think what baby did in the jail was like heinous per se, mm-hmm. because um, I mean, at that point, it's self defense, and it's literally yeah. like you were sent in there to murder her, so it's like die or be or like and who like, knows what those two women were in for anyway yeah right so i mean again even if they were in for something that like wasn't it wasn't like was more on a harmless level i doubt mm-hmm. it because they were willing to be put into a room and kill somebody like the, at the end of the day somebody was going to come out being a killer like baby had already killed many people already we don't know if these two women have but but their job or their reason for being in that room was to literally kill somebody. So at that point, like who like let baby live because we already like her. We don't know these two women. Um, so but it, but it's the fact, again, that I'm like rooting for this family after what they've done to so many innocent people is where I, I struggle with myself going, why do I love them so much? Um, but I love movies when um when it's like killers pitted against each other, I'm like, yes, like may the best one win. Like, I love that kind of thing because that, that is worth cheering on because like, I'm never cheering the murders, like the murder in the motel in this one or the murders at the house in, in the, or in the third one or the motel in the second one. Or, um, I, I suppose, I guess I was never cheering on the murder of the kids in the first one, but, uh, <laughs> but they were rude. I mean, like, so. They were rude, but I mean, it didn't deserve <laughs> um but i i'm never cheering on those murders um but like in the prison i was i was like yeah like come on um (laughs) so i i so i do i i am able to differentiate between between murder um between style and types of murder i mean i suppose um 
but still at the end when they're walking in the sunset i'm just like they did it like we did it um in my like l woods legally blonde like graduation speeches we did it um, <laughs> uh like it's just it's just like you know what it's a story of perseverance and it is it is like a decade of their life that they endured with all odds against them they persevered they kept going and and that confidence i mean if only everybody had that level of confidence, but just hopefully not related to murder. Right. Um, like it would like, I mean, as my very first podcast with Brandon was um, don't tell mom, the babysitter's dead. And I said mm-hmm. like channel my inner Sue Ellen, which I do think is a good role model um, because she created a fashion empire um, and those styles still slap. But um, with this Firefly family, like there is a certain level of like minus the murder, like, they hold a lot of values that are important, like family and perseverance and confidence. And it just. Yeah. Dance to the beat of your own drum, basically like who cares? Be a little, do whatever. Minus the killing. um, Yeah. Yeah. Minus the killing. (laughs) The torture, the kidnapping. The rape and the violence. And just, yeah. Like, like remove the violence and remove all violence and murder. And, and really you have an admirable, like, role model family um they're there for each other they're going to be supportive and 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 they and they yeah they trust each other and again we haven't really figured out their exact biological relationship per se but it could be like i mean like i think i don't baby and otis aren't direct siblings are they there's no way that they're actual like they just keep saying my brother and my sister i don't know i don't know they if they are biologically exact i feel like they i don't well, they could be. I don't know. They might not be. They might be like half siblings or whatever you may say. But at the end of the day, if it's chosen family, if it's real family, this movie shows the the significance that you do need to remain loyal to someone in your life. And you can't throw people away no matter what the hardship is, even if it is trying to escape the law after gruesome murder. Um, because some people would. Like, you see a lot of... How many movies have we seen where, like... Um, oh, or well, I don't want to give away in the new Saw movie, but like mm. people turn on each other, and um, and and that no killers succeed when or no criminals succeed when they start turning on each other. And in this movie, they didn't turn on each other, and they got their sunset. So <laughs> you know thank you, Rob Zombie, for showing that loyalty matters because people don't respect loyalty anymore. And I'm gonna get emotional, but when you don't turn your back on people, and you, even if you go through hardship and you oh, keep man. going, you will get your sunset. And too many times we watch movies where everybody gets selfish and greedy. And at the end of the day, this family isn't that selfish or greedy. They just want to live their best lives, and unfortunately, that revolves around murder. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, I respect that they're so loyal to each other because like like don't we all want that ride or die in your life that you could just go through anything with and even if you irritate each other you're still there and this movie really like puts that on hyperdrive and highlights it in the most heinous way but you still you love them and again i applaud rom zombie if i ever got the chance to meet him or more or less work with him it would be a dream because these movies shouldn't work and they do all three do and and the third one really shouldn't work because again like i said it's not really a story of more than it is just like 
more time uh, spent yeah, with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn. I think you put a good final staple there with that emotional <laughs> rendition. I'm like um, crying over it. I was like, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this one, they it didn't. So times were different. This got a Fathom Events uh, release theatrically. So it played for three nights, uh, but it did well enough. They gave it an additional night a uh, month later. Uh, before it's the night before it came out on Blu-ray, they gave it an additional night. So, but three from hell, um, uh, critically right around the same as Devil's Rejects, honestly. It, but it felt like it was worse reviewed. It, it's kind of weird. Like, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh well, got about the same review as is Devil's Rejects. So, kind of interesting thing. So, um, final thoughts on this series. Uh, who's your favorite Firefly member? Uh, probably baby. Maybe. Greg, oh, yeah. do you have? I mean, I got to give it to baby, but like Otis's glow, like baby's the most consistent, I think. But yeah. like his glow up makes me question a lot about myself because it's like he could get it. So I don't know. <laughs> he never puts his face paint back on again after he had it in Thousand Corpses when he wears yeah. the, the paint. But. Um, yeah, I have to, I probably have to go with baby again, three for three. Like she's just, there's, there's something wild card. There's something about her that isn't in other horror movies Yeah, and something unique to her, um, for this series. Cause like you get Otis in other things. Um, he basically, you know, he spots out Manson quotes and, uh, it's very similar to chop top. Um, and there's other characters we've seen before and since like that. So uh, kind of there, but yeah, baby's unique. Uh, what is your ranking of the movies, Greg? What's yours? Um, two, one, three. Jessica, I'll probably go with two, one, three. Yeah, same, same yeah. here. Pretty, pretty cut and dry with um how these are. So I don't uh, think any of them are bad. I just think rewatching the first one again recently, even though I see it maybe every year, but like really taking notes on it, um. It's kind of like two movies in one, and I think the it's more exciting in the first half, or at least. And then when mm-hmm. it gets into Captain Satan, I think it like over time that kind of it was impactful at first, but then it kind of loses some of its impact. Right. The more you watch it, because you you know what's happening. Then I think it's more playful at the first part, which is why it's so rewatchable. The second one, the whole movie all the way through is solid, and then the third one. There's some pacing issues with it. I know when I put it on one night, I kind of went in and out of sleep during bits of it. And I woke up and was like, oh, they're in Mexico again. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, it just, the pacing of the third one is my only like struggle with it, but I don't think it's bad by any means. It's just a little slower. Yeah. I, uh, so like, yeah, the, the first one, I think the funny thing you mentioned, Dr. Satan, I think, which I realized going forward is like, while well, he's a, visually a creature feature cool thing to build up to the more interesting main bad villain of house of a thousand corpses is otis like yeah and then they they try to pass him by as like there's something better than this and there really isn't uh when you break it down to it and then like um yeah so like yeah like you said the third one got like the pacing and stuff like that but um I don't know if they're there. I, I liked it more this time watching it. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, this might be Rob's worst film. But I watched it now. And I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think it is. Uh, but um, it, it, yeah, it worked better for me. So I'm interested to revisit it another time and 
see if I keeps going up in my esteem with it. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, ugh. And then this one, this time I was like, oh, what, what was I? Ah, I didn't mind it this time. Like, do you think Rob Zombie would ever make a prequel to it? Maybe it's the Dr. Satan era of uh, all House of, those of 100 crimes. Corpses. Or, yeah, or just House. Um, <laughs> and then, or maybe it's like, how does Captain Spaulding start his gas station in his little, uh, um, if someone gave the him chicken the shack? Money. I just want to see him like get his first, sell his first chicken. Yeah. You know, uh, the, or the yeah, like a story. young Captain Spaulding. Yeah, we get to see the family young growing up and all that fun stuff. I, um, if he wanted to do it, but hmm. then again, people probably like booze. I mean, you could basically copy the first movie, but you just take away some of the dead bodies because they have to build up to it. Right. I I don't know. I know two of the dream projects he's talked about is a is a cop movie that he wanted to make, and then a Groucho Marx biopic. Oh, which, which yeah, that's interesting. Have him. A biopic with, you know, Rob Zombie doing it. Uh, it could be which uh, all the fireflies are named after Groucho Marx characters. So, um, yeah. But that's a that's a thing. He's uh, those are two dream projects he's named uh, that he's wanted to do. Which that's interesting to me. Just like him doing a biopic and it being Groucho Marx. I'm like, okay, I'd like to see that. I know there's people who are probably like, don't let him, don't dare, don't you dare. But I'm like. Ah, I think I, I think you could do it. It'd probably be Jeff Daniel Phillips playing Groucho Marx. I, I would want to see that. So, Well, and if they ever did do a prequel, though, um, and I forgot to mention this because it actually makes me cry every time in the second movie. Tiny. I didn't talk about him in the second one. I talked about him in the oh, first yeah, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, when, yeah. When he walks into the fiery house and there's like, we'll come back for you, Tiny. Yeah. I cry every time. I'm like, oh, my tiny. Um, And he saves the day. Like, I love tiny so much. He saves the day and I get emotional thinking about it because it's just a beautiful shot of him just walking into the flaming house. And that's his last movie, uh, too. So that was it for him, too. Yeah. Oh, that makes that move like moment even more impactful all these years later. It's just so like, I, I don't know how something can be so thoughtful yet so horrific at the same time. But it's just. It's so thoughtful. Oh, Rob Zombie. Uh, All right. Well, uh, great. And Jessica, thank you for uh, this this lengthy discussion we had on the Firefly trilogy. Uh, Rob Zombie. Did we do it justice, folks, that love these movies? Or have some of you want to maybe check them out now? I don't know if we sold you on them or not. But we had fun discussing them. So uh, until next time, which is next week, uh, where can people find you, Greg? Uh, you can find me on all social media under the McGoonies, so M C G O O N I E S, and yeah, I'm most active on Instagram of all of them, and I don't use Twitter or X, whatever you call it. So X. you can find me on Threads. All right, uh, Jessica. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jessica Alsman, A L S M A N, and then uh, I am on Twitter X or whatever at J N Alsman. I know it's so weird. You don't I'm, go to yeah. x.com. I'm going to I'm going to repost this and send out a post. So stupid. Um but I'm on socials at brandon4kuhd. Uh don't forget to check out the YouTube channel if you're not watching this on there right now. Uh for all things live podcast stage and podcast awards visit popcon.us. Uh, next week Jessica and Greg and I take a look at Night of the Demons. One, two, three, and the remake. Yes. Uh, 
I cannot wait to talk about. I these. didn't know there was a third one, so oh, good to know. Yes, <laughs> and I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. No, all good. A lot of people didn't know it was straight to VHS back in the day. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to look at those. Um, Long time fan of the those movies. So, all right. Until uh, then, uh, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.